have I got a story for you. It's simply about the baddest motherfucker alive. Okay, okay. Slight use of hyperbole? No, don't fucking doubt it. And if you are, we'd like you to make your own bow. Sit in African wilderness for 21 days alone. Get water every day from crocodile-infested sources. Hit an impala from 20, 30 yards away with the perfect kill shot that your girlfriend led you to by taking over the animal's spirit. And if you think you can hang, whip it out, and measure your dick against the baddest motherfucker alive, because he ain't afraid to be naked. Oh, he also had the balls to be a 190-pound center on his football team. Yeah, trying to tell you. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Knots. Yes, if English made any fucking sense, it would be said Knots, but... Nevertheless, Knots are looking to rebrand themselves as the helpful home organizing, cord storing solution to your spring cleaning needs. Knots know they have a bad rep, but Christmas lights really aren't their fault. No judgment or anything, but you're the one throwing those fucking holiday shackles into sacks and storage bins without any sort of thought. Sure, sure, sure. You feel a little guilty when your kid seems like a young chimp just discovering the evolutionary empowering ability of opposable thumbs and can't figure out how to make the bunny go through the hole. But Knott's not his fault for his faulty phalanges. God, I fucked that up. But Knott's are not at fault for his faulty phalanges. Nailed it. If anything, that's a parenting issue. Get a mirror. Knott's aren't here to guilt you. They just want to remind you of all the shit that they hold together in a convenient, easy-to-let-loose type of way. Sure, quick-clicking security is all the rage, but what fucking man or woman doesn't want to feel the satisfaction of secure fastening from the inner strength of their very own fingers? It's fucking primitive. Get primitive with snaring your shit. Why are you trying to rely on quick-release clips and plastic when fabric and cords feel so good? Get a callus or two. Feel alive. Be in control. Knots are not trying to say they are the best way to secure anything and everything. But knots are not not saying they're not. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. To be forthright, we're still looking for an official sponsor and would love to talk business. But what we are more interested in is getting to know all these wonderful random guests and what they've been through and experienced. So please, follow and friend us on social media. It's getting, the number two, no, the letter U, pod on Instagram. Twitter, just drop the second G, character limitations. Facebook, Sean O'Grady, with an apostrophe. Furthermore, please listen and subscribe to the pod in fact, please leave a review and comment wherever you pushed play for the pod. And this will help us to recoup the $108 we had to initially spend thanks to Kyle, the skateboarding trial lawyer, and Safe, the London boy, episodes four and five, because they were willing to share more than five hours of content with us, which made us go above the free trial period and get to unlimited uploadage. We are a business at the end of the day and need to start getting in the black. Make this Black Friday for us here at the Getting to Know You pod and become our 
or find us a sponsor. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. On today's show, we are getting to know Luke, who do you, and I feel a little bad doing it, Luke. Like, are you like officially naked and afraid, Luke? Is that like your actual, like how you're known now? (laughs) (laughs) I I try not to base my reality of who I am as a person on a TV show, but um, (laughs) I can just be Luke McLaughlin. That's that's fine. Awesome. Luke, thank you. (laughs) I was kind of wondering that because it's got to be like a little like weirdish to be like a, I don't know, like a, a person all of a sudden you're on a show. And then like, I didn't know if like, I mean, it's not like a huge, huge deal, but at the same time, it's a pretty huge deal. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing for sure to, you know, like I had these experiences in the wilderness on, on the TV show, quote unquote. And then I come home and I kind of live my normal life and kind of do my normal thing. And then every now and then some stranger at the airport or, whatever my mom's neighbor finds out that I was that guy and they watched me be naked on TV, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it's a trip. It's a weird thing to be known for. And it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, I guess I did that thing. Like I just totally forget that I, that was the thing that I did and that millions of people around the world have watched it. Right. You know, it's, uh, it just feels like something I did. And then I yeah, just totally forget that other people have experienced it somewhat. <laughs> That's that's kind of interesting. So you can actually forget the trauma you went through and put your body through, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I always say, um, you know, the three the three uh, challenges I did, they all all three of them feel like a dream. And okay. the fact that you know, I think we remember experiences based on how often we like you know, have something similar happen. Right. So like maybe you, you know, for a normal memory, you're like, Oh yeah, I I went to that side of town and I remember the memory over there that I had from that side of town. Right. There's these things that trigger those memories. And it's so rare for me to get those memories triggered on the daily because they took place in a different continent, you know, in very different circumstances. That's Um, such a great point. Yeah, it's kind of this like isolated thing and that I did and then I just don't get to connect to it very much. But um, coming on podcasts like this is a great way for me to reconnect and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was totally a thing that happened. <laughs> Do you just feel your like stomach growling already just thinking about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I can I'll watch, I'll be watching like, I don't know, an animal show on, on Netflix or something. And it will they'll, a certain bird call will happen. Oh, and like. Uh, my body will just automatically go into that more of a, like a triggered state and be just because of a single bird call. You know, I have no idea what, what bird it is, but, um, <laughs> but I definitely have been there before. I just like hear the background of Africa or South America. And all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> you know, yeah. like just, can, can I, can I grab survival it? Mode. Yeah. Can I throw a rock at it? Can I find its babies and eat them? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. One of the, one of them, one of the bird species is what's called a Franklin in Africa. And they're like these little, kind of like miniature turkeys 
and they're super noisy and chatty and kind of annoying, really loud. And I was hunting them all the time and I just couldn't get close to them. So when I hear one of those, I know for sure what animal it is. And I'm like pissed off and hungry as soon as I hear it. <laughs> so, um, Full disclosure. Um, well, I guess it's, I don't know if it's full disclosure. I just try to sound official sometimes. It makes me feel, <laughs> it makes me feel better about me. Um, yeah, that's, that's good noticing. Right. My, um, my daughter has been like straight binge watching and <laughs> I was like, I started this podcast and like, it, it's great. Cause it's, it's like one of those shows where my daughter's at the age where like, she's over the little kitty shows, but she's still mm-hmm. innocent enough where you don't want to expose her to like all the undertones of like the the sexual in, even like the new full house is like so many sexual innuendos and stuff and you're like I don't know if I want my elementary school daughter like almost being normalized to that and figuring it out maybe I don't know, I'm wrong whatever but naked and afraid is like a great little in between where it, it's adventurous it's weird people are naked so so like it, it it's it's wholesome but it's not it's blurred out and like sure. dude, she fell in love with it so anyway I'm just like literally googling naked and afraid IG accounts <laughs> and, uh-huh. and hitting everybody up and um, basically saying like, Hey man, I'm trying to grab some cool dad points. Do you mind coming on my podcast that I just started? Right. And um, you were kind enough to be like, dude, love to help you out with some cool points. All that to say, I purposefully either do not remember or didn't look up any of your episodes. So I could almost okay. get the gist of them from you. Sure. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Just so you know, like I, I, I have no idea about like these Franklin birds. You don't have to feel like you're um mansplaining because I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Mansplain away. Um, okay. Got it. So Frank, free reign. Yeah, absolutely. Just like those fucking Franklins. Um, <laughs> did you have a, ask, tell me about your favorite one. Oh man. Um, I think my latest one, so I filmed one uh, just last year, so just just over a year um, ago in South Africa, and this was the first go-around. I was the first guinea pig to try Naked and Afraid alone. Um, Dude, you were the so, first isolated one? Yeah, I mean, other episodes have happened, so in the past format, you know, it's usually one man, one woman getting right. together for 21 days in the wild, and oftentimes people quit. So there's been extended periods of time Mm. where people have been by themselves. Um, but this one was designed from the get go to be me by myself. Dude, they Um, always go fucking loopy like day 10, day 11. It's, it's weird to see, man. Yeah, it definitely, you know, you get in a different state for sure. And so, um, yeah, so this last go round was definitely the most challenging and beautiful and difficult, um, experience I've ever had. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, there's a lot there, but yeah, that, no, one, no. that one is definitely my favorite. So South Africa, like, um, climate wise, is it, when you think of Africa, I'm, I'm thinking more equator, but if you're South Africa, is, what's the, what's the climate we're dealing or we're dealing with? Yeah. What's the climate yeah. we're dealing with since I'm on this journey with you now? <laughs> yeah. Come on along. <laughs> um, it, it was northern South Africa, so um, South Africa can be cool and kind of temperate, but northern South Africa is is hotter, but it was also winter, you know, coming, um, I guess going into winter, it was like fall when I was there. Um, and so, you know, days were like 80s and 90s, 
um, okay. temperature wise. And then nighttime was, you know, fifties, most nights, I think a few nights it dipped down into the forties. Uh, we're talking Savannah here, you know, kind of classic Nat geographic, you know, like lions and leopards and hyenas around and kind of shrubby, pretty dry climate. We were coming out of the, you know, uh, it was getting into the dry season. So there were these bodies of water that had, um, you know, uh, reservoirs and dams and things like that, that were holding water. Um, but it wasn't, it, it didn't rain on me for all 21 days, which was really nice. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. The rain seems to be a breaking point, man. People, people, the, oh, you fucking yeah. catch eight to 12 to 24 hours of rain and motherfuckers are like, tap, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Rain is just, it just kills you. I mean, it just cools, cools you down so much, you know, and if you don't have a good shelter, which is hard to do, um, in a lot of places, it's just, it's miserable. So um, but yeah, scrubby. Um, so hot during the day, pretty cool at night. Pretty good temperature though. Not a lot of bugs. Um, yeah, the bugs. big thing, you know, where I was, was, um, predators, big predators were pretty common. I'd wake up and see lion tracks and, uh, hyena tracks, you know, leopards. I heard Jesus. almost every night. Um, it was, yeah, that was, that was definitely the most gnarly of it all. So I'm just picturing them hiring like four motherfuckers in Jeeps with rifles just to keep you yeah. safe. Right. Like, and not, not to take away from like the magic of it, but my daughter's asked me so many times, she'd be like, daddy, is this the episode where someone dies? And I'm like, there's <laughs> no way they're going to put it on. You know, I'm, I'm like, dude, it wouldn't, it, if anything, we'd have to look that up on the internet. It's not going to be like published. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, that would be the end of the show. And right. I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but think of it, you know, as, you know, there's people out there just like any safari tour, you know, this is where I filmed was really close to Kruger national park, you know, which is like the, the wildlife safari destination. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, there was, you know, like, so during the day there were people around with massive rifles, rifles, I've, you know, just rifles that would stop an elephant in full charge, just God. insane calibers. And, um, but then the it, you know the thing at night was they it was too dangerous for the rangers to be out at night and so oh. I was literally just by myself every night you know um, with a fire and um, a boma which is basically a ring of thorns like a corral of thorns that I made out of acacia branches okay um, just to, and that's what you know people you know cultures are throughout Africa have been using to protect against predators for for millennia so. Um, cause they're not like yeah. smelling you and thinking like, Oh, tasty snack. Let me just hop over this thing. They just go path the least resistance and they mm -hmm. keep it moving. Yeah. I mean, most, so, you know, as the, the Rangers or, you know, people, wildlife experts have talked about like the vast, vast majority of predators throughout the world, what we have left do not view humans as food, right? They're not yeah. like most of the time lions and tigers and you know, mountain lions and North America are not hunting humans. They're right. not intentionally. It's just, we're just too smart. We're, we're too clever. We're, you know, humans with a pointy stick is the most dangerous animal in the world. You know, like that's what we've been point. taking over this world as a species for so long that these animals kind of know that. Um, the one exception to that is crocodiles. And really? that's what I was like, yeah, crocodiles will legit hunt you. Like will legit like see a human and be like, you're food. Like, I'm not worried about you hurting me. Holy I'm just going to shit. eat you. So that was gnarly to like be at the water hole and like have to look every day to make sure, you know, a 20 foot crocodile didn't just like slide into this pool 
the night before and now it's gonna like eat me so that's gnarly i totally forgot about crocodiles as soon as you say africa i go lions and tigers Mm. and all that shit leopards hyenas a fucking whatever hog like a warthog or some shit maybe um but (laughs) like crocodiles that's so true because you are you trying to like be near enough to the water supply to like get water every day but water supplies also bring other animals right Oh, totally. Yeah. It was this tricky balance of obviously I want to be close to water, so I didn't have to trek so far. Um, but the water was the gathering place for the animals I was hunting, you know, so every animal within a, you know, it was the only water for probably five miles. And so every animal was coming to this water hole at some point, right. At some point in over the course of a couple of days. And so, my job was to like just study and be a student of this little tiny chunk chunk of dirt and learn what animals come in when, where they come, how they detect me. Um, you know, it was like you can kind of imagine this like spider web of trails and connections. And right. at the very heart of the spider web was this little pool of water. And so just like infinite variations of tracks and trails coming into this water hole. Um, so that was my job was to study every inch of it. And uh, that was actually one of my favorite parts was the ability to track. Um, <clears throat> so as a, as a primitive skills teacher, you know, all of the skills I teach are very um, location-based. So, oh, yeah, right. you know, when sense. I build a bow here in Asheville, I have to choose certain woods. And then I go to Montana or whatever, and I, it's a totally different world. You know, totally different species of plants and rocks and animals and uh, it's, it's a different thing. And so um, the region I live in now, which is Western North Carolina, Asheville area, um, we have really bad tracking substrate. Like our soils are very rocky, a lot of clay, um, not a lot of sand, which is ideal for tracking. Because you and leave so, the imprint, huh? Say that again? Because you leave the imprint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm really kind of an expert in. myself. You know, I knew that. I knew that you left imprints in sand. <laughs> yes, right. It's <laughs> very, uh, you know, basic knowledge here. And uh, but the cool thing is, is that is in South Africa, in this region, you know, the Bushmen, the San people, are some of the last hunter gatherers, true hunter gatherers, left in this world, and they're known for their tracking abilities. Oh, um, and so I was able to finally live in a place for a while that was just full of tracks. I mean, it was just like you know, just a beach in that way where everywhere you go, you could see the story of what was happening and what was unfolding and, you know, micro, micro, you know, differences in each track tell you the way the head, the animal's head is tilting and what it was, you know, looking at and what it was leaning towards and how fast it was moving. And so that was just a dream of mine. Um, cause I grew up on Tom Brown Jr. Stories and San Bushman stories and all these trackers, you know, and, uh, Finally, I had a chance to play play a little bit of that role, so that was fun. And so, is are you alone for fourteen days there, or is it twenty one as well? That was twenty one. Shit, twenty one days. So, dude, you had to be so fucking geeked. Like you, ha- I guess I want to. Was there a moment where you kind of forgot about civilization and you just felt like I'm a fucking nomadic hunter? <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like that was, this is my dream, you know, like my biggest grief in this world is that I am in this current world, you know, like there is a deep longing in my soul to make stone tools and make hunting, you know, bows and arrows and atlatls and go hunt woolly mammoths and 
you know, protect my tribe from saber-toothed cats. And, you know, like, not that long ago, North America was like Africa. You know, the whole world was like Africa, where there were animals that wanted to eat humans, and they were human specialists. And there were big, massive megafauna, you know, huge animals all over this continent. And I just feel like that's in my blood, and that's what I want to do. So to be able to go to Africa, where these animals still exist, and I'm still part of the food chain, was fucking brilliant you know it was just <laughs> everything i wanted and um yeah there were definitely times where i was just more i felt more animal than human i guess is one way i could say it where i was just reacting you know i had my mind was gone you know if you will like my thinking mind was gone i remember there's a a dica which is a very very small deer <clears throat> came in while i was hunting one time and this thing is like it's like a shih tzu size like it's very very small oh so cute don't tell me you killed it you just wanted (laughs) to cuddle it come on man you put a fucking (laughs) collar on it you tried to domesticate it but i was hungry and (laughs) it came in and um i just reacted i just shot like it and it just like i was surprised at my own actions and i was just like i wasn't doing that like it just was so instinctual and it was really fun to not to you know it was fun to just let my mind go and just to react entirely um, out of sensations, you know, just like what's happening, what's arising and trust it, you know? Um, so I think that's really beautiful and something we're missing in modern day culture is just an ability to 100% trust your body mm. and yeah, to be free of your mind for that time. Dude, I've spoken. Um, and it's funny cause the holistic and I, um, like survivalist holistic yogis that I've had on, um, astrologists and like all these universal, like we believe in this spirit and this oneness and this interconnectedness, right? I, dude, I've had, I, I've never spoken to so many fucking people and like that are like that. Right. And like, it's funny. They all make fun of themselves and they're like, you know, we're like the woo woo group or like we're the crazy people or whatever. But mm-hmm. something that I keep hearing is how limiting our mind is mm-hmm. to our actual spirit. And this idea of a sixth sense and um, Jen Oliver um, had broken down this thing about your gut having, I, I, fuck man. See, if I was smarter, I would be able to remember it. Like almost that this sixth sense is actually in your gut and there's there are these neurons thinking totally. much like your brain and yeah, that's like absolutely. the animal in you. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you brought all that up because that was, you know, one of my biggest, that was the biggest takeaway of my latest 21 days was the spiritual component of all of it. It's not like, you know, and it's it's funny because it's like these two opposite ends of the spectrum where it's like this extremely primitive animal, you know, primal marrow in my bones kind of feeling, which is very opposite from what most people think of spiritual. Right. But at the same time, all of those sensations connected me to this greater thing of spirit or God or universe or nature or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And it was like, it was, I was allowed to strip away all of those layers that normally get in the way, right? Those doubts or criticisms or busyness or whatever Expectation. that don't allow us to feel these superpowers that we have that many people have encountered with aboriginal australians you know intact hunter-gatherer societies talk about these these things like um you know my one of my favorite stories is the bushmen once again they go out the men go out to hunt and they're hunting lots of animals they're kind of just seeing what's out there and 
a lot of it was well documented several times that the men would let's say they successfully killed an African porcupine, right? They they're walking back. They've traveled all day. They've traveled ten miles. They got this porcupine. They're bringing it back to the tribe. And when they come back to the tribe, the the village has already prepared the fire for the porcupine. Like it's a specific type of fire they need to prepare this kind of meat. Wow. And they already knew that the men got a porcupine, right? There was like, no one went and ran and traveled and told them. It was like, it's almost, it's this tele- telepathy, really, right? Yeah. It's just like, they knew this, this, that's what happened. And they knew what they needed to do because of this connection. And as woo-woo as that sounds, and as, you know, I've, I've hesitated in my life sharing these revelations because of that fear of, of sounding too woo-woo, too hippie. Dude, um, if, but, dude, if you, if you get that judgment, fuck those people just cause they can't fucking get into it or try to under like, seriously. Dude, totally. So like Jen Oliver again was telling me and fucking just, just one of those people, like a dope ass, like, like super chill to talk to, but then you realize how fucking smart she is when she starts like going on almost like when you start talking about survival shit and I'm like, yes, sand leaves imprints. Like that's all I can <laughs> add to the conversation, you know? So you're just kind of listening to her. But she spoke about that too, dude, that energy and like that, that feeling of connectedness. And, um, Kyleen had talked to me about like a twin flame and like just finding this soul group and all this stuff. But Mm -hmm. she was like, no energy is, is a lot like sunlight. Like, do you realize how fucking far sunlight travels? Mm -hmm. So like you have this energy and these frequencies. And if you just think of basic cell phone signals, like Mm -hmm. shit carries. So if these guys are experiencing this it could absolutely get back to them if they're plugged into this sixth sense that like Netflix takes us and stops us from experiencing. Totally. You know? So no, yeah, Yeah. I fucking, I, 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 if anyone said bullshit on that, I'd call bullshit on that because that, (laughs) that to me, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not worried about them calling bullshit because it's like, I I know it was real. I'm not worried about that. Um, but yeah, like I had moments where, you know, my girl, I just knew what was going on with my girlfriend. And I was just like, oh, okay, that just happened. Like, she's having a hard time around that. Okay, got it, you know. Seriously. Um, like That was, like, like, crystal clear. Another one, I've had, there were multiple things, a couple more examples. One was one of my primitive skills teachers. <clears throat> I just had this knowing one day. I wasn't particularly thinking of him or whatever, but I was just like, I was sitting there, and I was like, when I get home, he's going to die in two weeks. Shut and he was, like, older, but not, like, on his deathbed. And sure enough, I came home from Africa. I almost as soon as I got home, they were like, he's got about two weeks to live. And sure enough, he died two weeks to the day that I got back from Africa. It was just, and it wasn't, I wasn't surprised. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I know that's what was going to happen. It was just in my bones. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Dude, did that Um, just trip you the fuck out? Or you just, because you'd experienced it, you were just like, yeah, it doesn't feel like trippy. It's just like, it's just such a knowing in my body, in my body, that was just like, yeah, that's what's going on. Okay. Like it was like complete acceptance. Um, and then the other one was the crazy, maybe the craziest ones. Um, you know, before I left for the trip, uh, I was, I knew I was going to be able to do more hunting in this go round because they were allowing me to bring my homemade bow, bow and arrows. Oh, that's so unfair. No wonder you fucking made it, Luke. You cheater. (laughs) You cheater. (laughs) I had a piece of, piece of wood with me. Of course I was going to (laughs) win. And so before I left, I was praying for an animal's life. Um, you know, like I knew if I got one animal, 
you know, I, I can make it 21 days. That's all I was asking for and God. was really putting a lot of prayer out there and intention around, okay, like I'm putting myself in this situation so that one animal may die. But in turn, hopefully more people will be inspired to remember what it means to be human and come back to this earth and learn how to make things with their hands again. Like this was my intention. And my girlfriend was really, you know, with me on that, was praying with me for a long time. So she was really connected to my mission out there and was worried about me and praying, praying for me when I was out in Africa. And as soon as, so I ended up killing um, two Impala actually, um, which are like deer. Um, yeah, but they're fucking and, large, right? Like Impalas eh, are, no? Nah, they're not super big. They're like, they're really comparable to our whitetail here in North America. So okay. I got a large ram or a large buck, you know, um, who was, you know, maybe 200 pounds. Um, yeah, so you're golden at that point, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sitting pretty. Gotcha. Um, but I was hunting lots of animals and, you know, <laughs> I called my girlfriend right as soon as I got done with the challenge and was like, Baby, or maybe it was a text, you know, I was like, I, I did it, I did it, you know, like I got, I got an Impala and she just texted back was like, I know, like, <laughs> I know, like I knew she like had this dream. So this is where it gets crazy. She had this dream where, or this, this trance she basically got into that where she became an Impala oh, and she was in Africa and she felt me hunting her <laughs> and instead of being scared in this trance or this dream, she was excited and was like so grateful to give her life to me. Like that was the best thing she could like imagine as this Impala. And that day she dreamed that we did some math later that day. She dreamed it. Uh, I, that was the first day I connected with this one male Impala that ended, I ended up hunting for like days and days and days. And I ended up connecting with in the spirit realm and like all this crazy kind of shamanic stuff um so anyway so that's dude, dude, say, don't, don't say anyway yeah, like Jesus. A, a small snippet of the crazy stuff that happens when you um allow yourself to be hungry and struggle and connect and pray and listen yeah that's another thing that um speaking with people man that fasting in america and i and like i'm not an obese individual i, I actually went for um a you know i jog for I, I jog pretty frequently so i'm like in decent shape but the obesity here is amazing to me. And I guess what I'm saying, what am, what am I saying? I'm saying that fasting fucks my mind up. And like, I don't know how people do it. Um, I actually just posted a pod with Spencer Day, who's a yogi up in um, Toronto. And he was like, he had to take a piss break. He's like, dude, I've just been pounding water because I'm on a 36 hour fast. And I'm like, the fuck do you not eat for 36 hours? Like, it's incomprehensible to me. Uh-huh. But yeah. But it but like the more I talk to people, the more it's like, dude, your body actually needs to build that resiliency. And if you just keep fattening it up, it gets weaker. Oh yeah. It's so so powerful. Um I mean it kind of creates a a more spirit think of food as like grounding, right? If you're like kind of feeling a little out there, maybe you're daydreaming and you eat some food, especially like meat and bread and cheese, it's gonna ground you. Right. Well, if you don't eat for a long time, you can kind of get into that spirit, you know, upper heady kind of area. And which is great if you want to feel more that way. If you want to like put forth prayer and feel like you're on like a tiny dose of mushrooms or something like that, you know, like that totally creates that energetically, at least in my body. Um, And yeah, fasting is, is so, I mean, there's an emotional, you know, spiritual component to it, but also like what I always talk about, you know, is how expensive digestion is 
right? How mm-hmm. energy expensive that is that we're constantly a great point. processing food in our body, right? right? Especially like a Twinkie, right? Because a Twinkie is designed or any processed food is yeah. designed not to break down. It's designed to combat digestion, right? So it can sit on a shelf for years. Right. Um, so when you eat that, your body has to work even harder to break that stuff down. So you can imagine like a computer running a program at all times, right? It just gets tired and worn out. And so when you fast, your body says, okay, well, I'm not doing that thing that's normally taking up all of my, you know, processing abilities. So I guess I'll clean house and it starts literally going through and cleaning out your organs and getting fresh blood into different places and just resetting. And that's something that our bodies are meant to do because we're humans and, you know, we've sadly just become clever enough that we have food at all times. Um, but that's not really what our bodies are are used to still. Yeah. It's and food and entertainment. If you took it to the mind as well, you know, like you're, I I fucking, um, God, and I'm going off on a tangent now and no, this is great. I love it. Keep going. Well, you know who else? And I need to start like a club like that. You know who I fucking hate or you know who I can't fucking stand club or something like that. It, though it's not that aggressive, but I just want it to be like sticky, right? Yeah. If, if, you're, good catch. if you're the fucking person that you go out to eat and you got to put your kid on a tablet for like three hours and like you're mm. ordering for them and like your kid's riding in a car and you're just mm-hmm. going to the fucking grocery store. It's 10 minutes down the road. Do you really need to play the fucking DVD? Can, mm. can you just let your kid's mind zone the fuck out? Can we quit over scheduling people and the mind when you talk about that fasting, it's the same thing to me with the mind where it's like every motherfucker that made any great thing was fucking bored. And that's why they made it because they got to fucking think they weren't stimulated. They, they, and it's just so now with fucking given like nine year old cell phones with internet access, like you're creating a bunch of stupid people. Stop it. Let your kid fucking color. Tell them like, just go play. Yeah, there's a beauty in boredom dude. for sure that we've lost. Oh, dude, 100%. So when you're talking about that fasting, when you're talking about connecting spiritually, like no wonder a lot of people, and I, I've never gotten it, but mm-hmm. like no wonder you can't get it because you don't even give your body the chance to try to get it. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, fucking, I yeah. fucking hate those and people. W- what sorry. you said with entertainment and food is reminded me of one of my favorite scary shticks that I always bring up of of how you keep people from rebelling or how you keep people from being free, oh, you know, 100%. sovereign humans in the Roman empire, yeah. you know, gladiators. Just fucking yeah, have exactly. a they knew Let's that if drink. You, it was literally bread and entertainment. And that's what we have in our current culture is, is stupid amounts of food so that no matter yeah. how poor you are, you can eat something and have your belly full yep. and entertainment everywhere. And that's yep. cheap and easy too. So we'll, you know, we'll never rebel if we have all of those things. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I think it was gladiator when I was growing up and, um, with, um, Russell, what's his name? Russell Crowe. And, Crow. uh, I, I think there was a moment in there where the Senate says that exact line. They're like, the people are getting anxious. They, they want to rebel against Caesar. They're kind of like these <laughs> underlings. And he's like, well, I'm just going to throw a fucking festival. And it's like 45 days of, Hey man, come watch people fucking slaughter each other, slaughter animals and just be fucking happy. Look at the jugglers, like forget about these things. And you're like, Mm -hmm. and like, I don't remember why that stuck with me, but I guess I was like at a point in my life where I was starting to understand shit. And I'm like, Holy shit, dude. That's what like free internet is. No wonder the government kind of wants that shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No wonder why we subsidize it and, you know, spend millions and millions of dollars on it every year. Jesus. Oh, and so 
and this no. will be my my transition to get back to the story. Um, so you know what you just proved, you and your girlfriend. What's that? That if you die in your dreams, you don't actually die in real life. <laughs> it's true. There, there's a fear. There's a fear that's gone now. Anyone who listens, it's okay to it's okay to fall off the building and die in your dream. Because... But maybe only if you're a different creature. Oh, that animal that she was did die a few days later. Shit, you're so right. Just saying. God. Just, just saying, before you go test it out, you know. <laughs> All right, wake up. Never mind. So if you're listening to this pod and you're going to bed and this is the last thing you hear, wake the fuck up. Wait, don't hit the ground. Be something else before you die. <laughs> no doubt. Be Although, you know, we're all going to die. So don't, you know, plan accordingly. God. Um, How, and dude, you seem, again, like you get to bring a bow. Like, not that it's easy, but how much of a struggle third time going through when you're in your element and you're like, dude, I just get to fucking hunt and slaughter. <laughs> right like like well, i definitely wasn't slaughtering that's for sure um it, it, is it diff it couldn't have been that difficult right it almost had to be more like enjoyable as much as that can be or am i thinking wrong it was both i mean you know my first 21 days that was you know i was pretty green and had never been any, through anything like that so i definitely learned a lot struggled a lot and then i did 40 days in colombia in south america and I, you know, kind of got more of a hang of things, learned a lot again, um, went, well, you know, 40 days was an insane amount of time. And so coming, you know, coming back for the third one, I, I felt much more capable with a lot of things. Um, but once again, to, you know, to, to make my point, everywhere you go, it's a different scenario. You know, right. I don't know the plants. I don't know these animal behaviors, you know, like if you took a native American, you know, 5,000 years ago and put him in Africa by himself, that's hard. Like he would, he would not do well. Mm. Um, one, because the landscape is completely different, but two, because humans are completely communal creatures. You know, yeah. I always say, you know, Rambo is bullshit. You know, like we always <laughs> want this Rambo lone wolf kind of thing. And humans took over the world because we work together. And to see one human to try to do it by themselves is like taking a single ant out of an ant colony yeah. and then expecting them to be able to create a colony. Like, that's just stupid. That's just not how it works. And so, yeah, what I was doing in Africa was it, what I said was like the most human thing I've ever done in my life and the least human thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and so it definitely wasn't easy. I mean, when I, when you first, first get there and it's night one and you're sleeping on the ground and luckily I made a fire and you know like there's new sounds all over and I'm like sleeping on the ground and my shoulders hurt and I'm cold and all of that you know there's like this like these layers that have to drop away and it just doesn't mm -hmm. drop away because I'm in nature it drops away because I struggle and because my body shifts and you know whatever whatever thing whatever process happens right. it happens over time and there's a whole bunch of struggle to get to that spiritual place. It's not like, Oh, I'm in nature. Now everything's perfect. It's kind of like <laughs> how I talk about healing, right? People think I want to reach Nirvana and I'm going to get away from all my problems and then I'll reach enlightenment. Like, fuck that. Like enlightenment sucks. It's seeing all the shadow and the shit and the, mm. the pain, you know, that's the place. That's the way to enlightenment is to go there. And so it was kind of the same in nature. So it was a lot of, pain and struggle and failure. I missed a lot of shots on animals. You know, I, I was totally clueless. Um, I had to learn all over again, what, what this, you know, what this landscape was and how to tune my senses in and how to, you know, 
sleep on dirt. So God. it was it was hard. So the isolation and awesome. And not, tr- and also like no effort, if that makes sense. You know, like it was how all the meditation experts say it's effort, but it's no effort, right? It's just, mm-hmm. I was just doing what I wanted to do. And that was, and that was really beautiful and awesome. Yeah. That's cause it's funny, man. Like, and I, I did it in just talking to you right now. I'm like, I actually forgot that you're all a fucking loan and like the role that that would play. Cause I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, dude, if you've done this three times and you're like, you know how to make the bow. You know how to make the fire. Like there, there's game around. You got the water supply. Like you're golden. You're fucking golden. But then like you incorporate in, in like the relative sense of how golden you can be and fucking naked and afraid. Right. Right. But, right. But then you throw in the isolation and you're like, there's the cruel fucking twist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did you like, are you talking to the animals? Did you build a stick figure doll? Like what, what are you doing? Who's your Wilson? Right. Yeah. I had, um, my quiver that I brought for my arrows was a tanned coyote skin, okay. like a whole, you know, face and paws and everything and tail. And so, um, that was kind of my, my, my friend, he was my cuddle buddy and he was like my blanket and my pad. And yeah, so I wasn't necessarily having full conversations with him, but that was definitely part of it. Um, I mean, the landscape is really who I started talking to, you know, just all the animals and the birds, all the, the routines that kind of came with it, you know, like, okay, it's, you know, wake up in the morning, go get my water, go drink some water, go check the tracks, you know, go talk to this Mopani tree and okay, what did, you know, what animals came here? Okay, I'll go sit in the tree. Now here's, uh... this is high noon. Now the ants come down and then I watch the ants and then these birds come. And so, you know, it was kind of just getting kind of like quarantine where it's just like, you just kind of get these uh, routines down and um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of what occupies you is just like, okay, this is the time of day I do this thing. And um, so, but yeah, it definitely was stressful, you know, like not having in the past when I had partners on the show, you know, those were like, you got to, no matter how shitty your day was at the end of the day, you could come back and shit talk around the fire yeah. <laughs> and be like, Oh man, didn't today, today was the worst day. Remember when this happened and we'd all, you know, we'd laugh, excuse me. And in this go around, I didn't have anyone to do that with. I didn't have anyone with shared reality with me, which is a basic human need, you know, to have shared reality. And so that was really hard. Um, And even when I had great successes, I actually had really huge moments of sadness because I didn't have anyone to share it with. That's a great fucking point, man. Like that, that, like nobody enjoys doing shit. That's awesome. Like you want to cheer, you want to point to somebody, you want to fucking right. high five someone. Totally. I mean, it's like, what is it? A call, um, into the wild, you know, his conclusion, that dude at the end was just like, life means nothing if it's not shared, you know, mm. like I could go win all of the gold medals and climb Mount Everest and do it all by myself. But if I have no one to there to witness me or to ask me questions or to, you know, be inspired by it or hate me or whatever just anyone to interact with me gives me gives it more gives it meaning and to do it by yourself is is much less meaningful yeah oh jesus yeah that's so i i hadn't thought about that either yeah but like if you fucking like just looking at other people's episodes when they catch like an iguana or some shit and the joy and the happiness and like the 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 hugs the celebration that and like to Fucking yeah, that would be sad. Jesus. Yeah. So then I'm sitting there with like 
you know, a hundred pounds of meat and I'm just like trying to eat it all myself, you know, like that feels selfish and silly. And so really wanted someone to share with, but, um, but I couldn't. And you didn't go like super crazy and like hack off the head and just start keeping them around and like making puppets with it or anything. Is that just <laughs> no, me being twisted? No, 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 that didn't feel right. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that wouldn't feel right. Yeah. I try to, you know, there's, there's the, when you, for me, you know, I, my dad was a hunter and probably like most Midwestern, you know, hunters, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of heart and intention and prayer with it, you right. know? And so I remember growing up just like wanting that to see more connection made with the animals I'm hunting. And gotcha. so for me, this is kind of, you know, as a person who's had to teach myself basically how to hunt again, you know, with making my own bow and arrows and stone tools and adding, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to start over and like make, create the culture that I don't have. Right. And it's like, how do I bring more intention and love and connection to these animals that I hunt? Mm. And I know a lot of, you know, people that feels backwards, especially with like the vegan world. They're like, how do you love the thing you kill? And it's like, Mm. I don't know, but I would think a lion has the same amount of respect for the wildebeest, you know, as it's, it's just this connection back and forth that they've had for millions of years. And so I won't always want to feel that way. And so, especially when I was in, in Africa and I'm hunting this animal and I've been praying for this animal, then I had visions of this animal and dreams of this animal where I became the animal and he became me and, you know, like just days and days and days and hours of connecting to this one individual, Mm. (laughs) you know, ram. Um, And then to finally take its life um, you know, like I missed a whole bunch of shots at, at, at other animals at like 10 yards, pretty close, um, ideal shots. And I just flat out missed. And for whatever reason, this Ram was the one that was supposed to be. And I, I knew that from day like five or something. And so days go and days go and I don't see it. And I don't see it. And finally it comes in at like it was, it came in at like 22 yards, which is a long shot for myself bow with, you know, a compound bow with levers and pulleys. that's made of plastic and metal. That's not too hard of a shot, but with this bow that I'm using, that was, and for being a beginner with this bow, that was a long shot. And, um, yeah, I ended up shooting it like directly through its heart. Oh, <laughs> like wow. I missed all the other shots completely, didn't even hit the animal. And this one literally goes right through the heart. And I'm just like, okay, like this has nothing to do with me, you know, like this is me doing it, but I'm just a vessel for this action. And so when I finally, you know, track it and get to it and it's dead and I, I haven't eaten in 10 days, you know, like this is like the greatest gift that I could, could ever receive. And I wept and I wept and I wept over that animal and gave so much thanks to it. And, you know, it was like really this, the most beautiful remembering you know that i've ever experienced i think of just like all right like i've done this before in past lives or humans have in the past and this is this is this feels right and that ancestral connection yeah absolutely this is what food is like and this is what death is like and life comes from death and death you know is is connected to life and it's just like everything was just i mean i was felt like i was on mushrooms i mean it was just beautiful and amazing and crazy yeah. Well, and like, what if 
I kind of started thinking about bees and like people don't get upset that bees are just completely fucking content to go around in flowers and basically pollinate everything. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. their purpose. So mm-hmm. who fucking knows if like these animals aren't walking around being like, you know, I got to find my soulmate so I can feed them. Like my purpose mm-hmm. on this planet is to be consumed by sure. a higher organism, right. Or, or, yeah. or an apex predator. So sure. like, there's not, there shouldn't be like that vegan sadness because we actually don't know. Like the animal literally could be consenting to sure. its death to provide because the animal feels like, Hey, that's my purpose. That right. fulfills me. Yeah. I mean, I, I've almost all the animals I've ever hunted. I've gotten that feeling where they've done something weird and they haven't reacted or they've like given up or they, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on right now? You know, mm-hmm. something shifts in them. And I've witnessed that many times. And I've also been on the other end of the spectrum where literally when I was in Namibia, we had, I had a leopard stalk my partner and I, and in that moment, I wasn't like, how dare you leopard? You know, I wasn't like, (laughs) I want to live. Like you shouldn't eat me. I'm like, you're a fucking leopard and you're doing leopard things and that's okay. And if like, and if you kill me, I'm going to fight my ass off. You know, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to try to live. But I'm not going to be upset at you for doing what you do. You know, I'm going to do what I do. You're going to do what you do. And that's how things go. So, you know, I, I think if we're all on that other side, we wouldn't necessarily, um, yeah, feel such restriction or, or negativity around death and hunting. But sadly, the way we've handled death and hunting in our society has been behind a curtain and, shady and not humane for factory farm, you know, food. Yeah. And, well, when you, you start know, throwing so, money in there, man, it's all about efficiency and systems. They're, they're just trying to get that shit like done quick. Exactly. Like there's no, there, there's no thought behind it because there's, they, you almost can't, you can't have a business slaughtering things and care and have thought. behind totally. it. I, I don't think like it just doesn't not for profit wise. Yeah, totally. So I get why there's such a strong reaction and avoidance of death and hunting and, you know, um, yet we, we have to realize that we are complicit in death all the time. Even if you're eating food, you know, from farms only and you're only eating fruits, like that whole farm itself destroyed an ecosystem, <laughs> which killed animals and plants and fungi and you created a, an artificial ecosystem that is yeah. lacking in, in, in biodiversity. So, right. you know, that's my main beef with veganism is this belief that, well, if I'm vegan, then right. I'm not attributing to death in any way. And it's like, no, like you still are. I'm sorry. That Wait, sucks. Because what are you eating? Like the fucking thing you're eating was alive. Might not have been an animal. Sure. But you're eating yeah. live shit. And then here's the other thing. Like, Again, just like animals are meant to die, fruit's meant to be fucking picked, man. Because guess what right. happens if you leave that shit on a tree? Right. It's not healthy for <laughs> the tree. Right? Yeah. Like it's it it's consumed. Certain mm-hmm. things are meant to be consumed. And mm-hmm. like I, I I agree with you. And like, hey man, you don't want to eat meat, that's that's fucking fine. But like mm-hmm. don't try to make me feel bad for eating meat. Mm-hmm. I, I've never understood that. Someone's like oh, religion shaming. We're like you're going to shame me into loving Jesus. I've never understood that like philosophy either. <laughs> like, I'm going to be guilty yeah, I mean, it's, into it's, God. It, I just, it's what we would, oh, sorry, I'm interrupting. Go ahead. No, dude, I, um, I'm the same way where, cause it's so hard cause we can't see each other. The whole like, yeah, yeah. you know, body language stuff to um, social cues, but it's just, it, it's always blown my mind that people feel they can guilt someone into loving this, this thought or a philosophy. Right. Like that's just right. not how shit works. Right. Yeah. That's, is what we, 
in the nonviolent communication world, which is, um, they would call that violent communication where it's like, Mm. you can, if you do this thing, then I'll love you and accept you. Right. It's like these unspoken, um, yeah. Conditions. Unspoken rules. Um, so if you had to pick, are you going partner or non-partner for 21 days? Really? I mean, if I get to pick my partner, then I'll go partner for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, if you can't pick it, oh man, that's, that's a, that's a gamble there. Yeah. So, and that's, that, that's the drama we love is like when they don't, when, when the partners don't get along. Um, cause it oh, just yeah. adds this whole extra element of like, oh shit. Cause now you're hungry and you're fucking out there and you're ornery. And then on top of it, you just are not vibing with this person. Like yep. they're too bossy. Yep. And that's actually what I'm quote unquote most famous for is my partner throwing a hissy fit and, and, uh, she actually threw all of our survival items into a river she was Shut so upset. the fuck up yeah oh, dude 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 yes all right so please <laughs> please let's go down that river <laughs> i had no idea dude so your partner fucking spazzed and threw your survival shit in a river yeah so what did you um, say to her heard. that morning luke because it's your fault hey, what? i said what did you say to her that morning because it's obviously <laughs> your fault <laughs> well it was it was quite a day i mean it's a long story, but the short of it is... No, 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 dude. Long story, man. I want fucking details. I need to know. Motivations. Yeah. Um, okay, so this was in 40 days in Colombia. So this was the first season of XL. So this was the first attempt at people going for 40 days. And they took 12 people and dropped them into four groups of three to start with. But then over time, we like merge groups. Okay. By so happen chance or like on- they're leading you to do that? Like the producers um, or whatever. Not necessarily leading. It's it's kind of known that it's like an option that you can explore and there's probably other people around. Gotcha. You know? so, okay. Um so day one I start with Chris, um, who's a, a fisherman from New Jersey, strong, outspoken kind of guy. And then our other partner was Honora, who um I can't remember where she was from, but she did not successfully complete a 21 day challenge. And so they were like, Oh, we'll bring her back for a 40 day challenge. So math makes sense. I just calculated. That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm actually, you know, like (laughs) I have no hard feelings. I'm just like trying to be careful with my words of, you know, cause like, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, you're not trying to offend anybody. You're not trying to piss. I don't want to shit talk. You know, it's just like, okay, here's what happened. yeah. So, uh, but Nora, at the same time, it's kind of nice to shit talk and just have fun and not take sure. it personal. Like that's part of just enjoying life. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, so she had a, f- a rough few days. I mean, it was just two dates, two and three and four. You know, Chris and I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like, listen, we know you didn't make twenty one days, but we can, we'll try. You know, your our best to to let's all work together. We're on a team. Let's okay. do this, you know? dude. So, so I got to pause you. Cause this just popped into my head. And again, this yeah. is just me interjecting the survival skill rating. What's that called? The PMI, the RMI PSR PSR. What a fucking crock of shit. Those numbers <laughs> don't fucking mean anything when we watch it, man. We're like guessing they're, them. And we're like, how the fuck did she move up half a point? So like, <laughs> they're very you, arbitrary. A hundred, dude, hundred percent. Um, yep. do you guys like, are you, are you even like thinking about that shit? You're looking at Honora and you're like, oh, that she's a fucking 1.5. <laughs> like, is that like going through your head at all or not? No, I mean, I don't look at the numbers, you know, I, 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 
the biggest thing is your is your mental attitude, right? You can have the worst life in your life, worst life, and if you have a positive mental attitude, you're going to find the good in it. You're going to enjoy it. And if you are the most rich, entitled, privileged person in the world, and you have a negative mindset, you're going to be the most miserable human in the world. It doesn't really matter what's happening to you. What matters is how you feel or how you interpret what's happening to you. Right. So that's always my number one, and I could see right off the bat that. Nora was, you know, having a hard time. She, she, and I'm not saying like it was made up what she was saying. You oh know, no, like, dude. Some people just might like that shit just might trigger her to that place. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, it's, she it's was, she was having a hard go and Chris and I tried to help and you know, we, what we did didn't seem helpful to her. And so she was really upset at times. And so basically day five or I don't know what it was early on, less than a week roll around and she just starts going into like kind of a, a hysterical fit and is really upset. And, you know, I'm trying to talk her down. So I worked in wilderness therapy for a number of years. So I've been used to like, you know, helping people try to get back to their center in the wilderness for a long time. And I've seen, I have a lot of skills and ability, you know, like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is my, in my wheelhouse, you know, yeah. helping people come back down. Which should, and, should be incorporated into your PSR. Yeah, was, exactly. It my, <laughs> what? PSR. You have to always say it like that. Though. I know. Yeah. And there's PSR Rose. Honora, unfortunately, due to her hysteria, fell to a 3.4. Um, <laughs> exactly. What was, but what was she going off about? Um, like, is she feeling like you guys... They don't really know. I mean, it really, you know, they. Sh- when I watch it again, I don't watch my episodes much, but when I see clips of it, it's like she was kind of taking a nap in the morning and I was, I literally, you know, was just like, Hey, like, uh, you know, when do you think you can get going on this net or this fishing line or whatever we were working on? Uh, and she's like, well, I want to sleep right now and then I'll get to it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Like we're here for 40 days. I'm in no rush. You know, like I was just like <laughs> checking in about like what our plan was for the day. And then she started talking to Chris about how I attacked her and, you know, and then it basically just snowballed and it, it, it didn't, it was all these examples and every point we made, we had a counterpoint and Chris, you know, it all escalated. Chris is a man who speaks his mind. So he got really into it. And, um, yeah. And so basically she just was trying to say, fuck you. And the best way she could do that was to pick up our shared items and go chuck them in a, in the river nearby. And what and were the items? Like the machete, the pot, machete, the, the fire knives, bow drill kit water canteen copper wire oh, we had for like snares um it was it was a little yeah everything we had she tried to do it and we stopped her from doing some of it but she threw most of our stuff in the river luckily we recovered almost all of it okay um and she she did it on multiple occasions she got one item back and then threw it back in <laughs> stop dude stop it was a mess man it was like the most surreal moment i've ever had in my life i'm like is this really happening right now and, <laughs> oh my god um like, so, you know, I mean, this is hours. I mean, in the show, you know, they boil it down to like, you know, whatever, 10 minutes. But like, this was like three hours of like talking with her and trying to console her and like trying to listen to her and <laughs> trying to get her stuff out of the river. And, and so sadly, this is what I'm most famous for. Everyone comes up to me at like the airport or whatever. And they're like, holy crap, you're that dude who didn't kill that woman who should have been killed. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, like they were like, you were so patient and so kind and blah, blah, blah. And so that's kind of what I'm known for is the dude who didn't freak out and was able to talk to someone calmly for a while. Eventually I freaked out at the end of it. I think it was like 
four hours into it, I eventually snapped and was just like, I'm done with you. Please leave me alone. So, Like, yeah, I'm just going to take my fucking copper wire and boiling kit and I'm just fucking making my own camp. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. We were just like, we're, we're done. We're not, we're not going to do this anymore. So do yeah. you think, cause this is something I've noticed too, is like when you're with those partners, it's almost like you immediately size each other up and not like a negative way, but you're trying to like find your fit. And mm-hmm. some people can feel hella inadequate real quick when they're with a legit fucking survivalist. And I think that, I think you're hitting it there on nail on the head. You know, if I had to look back at it, you know, I, I wish I could have, you know, been more supportive. And I mean, I think I was, I think I was within, I wasn't being a jerk. That's for sure. I'm not a jerk usually in life. And, um, Unless yeah, it's but I, I, I definitely felt, it seemed like, Everything we said was an attack on her, which just tells me that she had a, probably a pretty intense inner critic, you right. know, that her her inner dialogue all the time was pretty rough and hard on her. And that's a hard life to live, you know. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, no, no shame in that. Like, I, you know, I think we all have that, that voice in our head that, that can be pretty gnarly at times. So um, so props to her, you know, for even attempting that with with such a such a critic and yeah and then like man it's creeping in because if she didn't make the first one right and uh, total speculation but i'm just like on the empathy train here like Mm -hmm. you can understand like if you feel like a failure and you then fail that shit's getting reinforced and you don't want that reinforced Mm -hmm. so then you immediately Mm -hmm. jump on bigger better i'm gonna fucking nail 40 days and you're just hyping Mm -hmm. yourself up for fucking days weeks months and then all of a sudden you're a couple days in and you're realizing man i just I'm, I'm yeah. not fucking there yet. Right. Like, and there's no shame. Sometimes you're just not there. Sometimes people are totally. faster than you. Right. Like sometimes you can only lift as much as you can lift and some right. people can lift more. And like, and you throw some cameras in there and a whole bunch of tweets from her first episode. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's uh, panic inducing. Yeah. That's a great point too. The fucking Jesus. See, I didn't even think about that dude. Like, yeah, the social media aspect of being the failure or being mm-hmm. the tapper outer. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Oh yeah, she was definitely a scapegoat in that way. So, oh, poor girl. Props to her for living through that. Yeah, but then what the fuck, Nora? Why are you throwing shit in there? <laughs> the <fuck laughs> but yes, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Come on, that dude. Was, that was a little bit childish. <laughs> yeah, like you know, that's awesome. That might be that might be the dinner show tonight. I have to look that shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, it's. I think it was actually one of the most. It was like because that first season of XL was like one of the highest rated shows. It was in the summer. And I think it was like one of the, that episode was like, had a stupid amount of views. I mean, it was like TV gold, you know, so good and horrible. Yeah. And I remember it was like, it it outperformed like, uh, what was that HBO show? True. True blood. True. True, True, No, true. The crime one. What was the crime one? Oh God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was like it doesn't matter because it was in fucking second place. That's why it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The one with Maggie McConaughey. Oh, True Detective. True Detective. That was. Dude, you beat fucking McConaughey. That's some shit. Well, I think it might have been season two. If I think. Oh yeah, season two was shit. Oh, that was a shit. Okay. Yeah, dude, that one was fucking (laughs) horrible. God, I hated that one. Right. But my ego will still cling to it. No, fuck. I mean, it's still like that second show. People or the second season, everyone's hoping. Like they're just waiting for it to be as good, right? Oh yeah, and we were waiting until like I remember waiting until like episode nine. I'm like, okay, now it's going to yeah. get good. They're going to figure it out. Using and, and weird. Yeah, and you're like, they just had too many people 
and the fucking the, the the weird sexual undertones i was like you, you're just trying too hard man you're just yeah. honestly trying to they it's unreplicable like even the last one they had with the um where the two guys were like growing old together and they're like trying to figure it out and then you know you're going through their life at different point it's like just just give it up man the first one was fucking perfect the first yeah. one was just fucking perfect like stop God, that was good. good tv that first one for sure 40 days did any other like so that's actually what i'm thinking now so you know how they do like the one-on-one like talk to the camera thing or whatever you want to call that the like interview Mm -hmm. are y'all like hearing people talk shit on each other in that or is that completely like isolated you have no idea what's going on when they do their like 10 minute interview thing or whatever yeah we usually it's usually isolated um yeah, and there was kind of a, you know, most of the time, most of the people there had this kind of, un, you know, code of conduct where it's like, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and we're all starving and struggling, right. so we're not going to talk shit on each other, you know, and um, yeah, for the most part, most people followed that. <laughs> <laughs> and so the 40-day challenge is where the leopard was legit trying to get after you? Uh, no, the leopard is in, uh, that was in Namibia in my first 21 day challenge. I, I don't even, I've never, literally never heard that word before. I know you mentioned it once, but I've no idea. Oh, Namibia? Yeah. What is that? Oh yeah. It was, um, it's formerly West South Africa. So it was until like the eighties, maybe it was West South Africa. So it's literally just on the West side of South Africa. So I think very Southwest corner of Africa, it's on the ocean, but I was more inland from the ocean. Um, most of the films that take place quote unquote in the Sahara, you know, like if you see a movie where there's like endless vast amounts of sand, Uh uh, that's actually in Namibia. They film everything on the coast. There There's a coast called the skeleton coast where it's just hundreds of miles of sand. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, and but yeah, that's where the leopard was very, very close to my partner and I. Yeah. And how was your little better vibe with your partner on that one? Yeah, we were, you know, we, we got along really well. Uh, Lindsay was my first partner and she was very different than me. You know, I, I came into it kind of nature is kind of my religion, if you will. Um, consider myself like a pantheist at the time, which is like anything that exists is God. Um, kind of mystical in that way. And she was a, you know, um, homeschooling conservative Christian mom of two. You oh, know? That's why they paired you up, huh? Totally. They totally <laughs> paired us up for that, you know, and, um, <laughs> very different in that way. And, but we didn't let it, you know, like I think at one point evolution was brought up, which is like what I studied in school and, um, really like love evolution and, um, natural selection and, she was just kind of like, you know, I don't really believe that. And I was just like, okay. I was like, let's never talk about that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like this is hard enough. Let's not have a really hard philosophical debate right now. So we just didn't talk about it. And we were a great team and great partners. And she was super positive and learned a lot. She learned a ton and really, you know, pushed through a lot of walls and edges. And uh, yeah, so we both made it 21 days. It was great. Dude, that's okay. I was good. So you did, what was your closest? Like, did you have a closest to tapping or you just, honestly, dude, you just seem like the guy that's like, man, I fucking got this. Yeah. I, I'm pretty competitive and, um, I, I've pushed myself pretty hard in life and a lot of different worlds and sports was my big thing when I was younger. And 
still, you know, compete in certain things. And so, yeah, I just knew that if I ever quit that I was just going to hate myself forever. So <laughs> I never, I don't know if I, I was never at a point where I was like, I'm going to tap. Um, there were points where I was sad because I thought I was going to be hungry for like three weeks and not eat food for three weeks. And that was like <laughs> legit. There were moments where I injured myself and I thought I was going to have to get kicked out because my injuries were too extreme. But um, like I, I sliced open my hand once I almost cut off my toe with a machete once. Um, just chop, just normal chopping wood stuff or yeah, just nothing too great. Like just making, you know, cutting branches to make a hunting blind and, just made a stupid cut with this giant amazing machete that I have it's stupid sharp and just came it luckily just grazed over my big toe but you know another half inch you know lower and my toe is gone I mean it, it was just just barely nicked it so you know I probably should add stitches but just kind of smacked it back together and wrapped it up and called it good so it's fine so even a leopard Cause I, I didn't get to hear about that. Like mm-hmm. the fucking a, a leopard stalking you and you're not like, you know what, man, nah, I'm good. Tip, tip, <laughs> let's roll. Get the guys with the guns. We're out. Right. No, I mean the leopard. So here's what, so basically in Namibia, there were no lions and no hyenas in the spot we were at, but there were a lot of leopards and we were in this spot next to a river and we'd set up a little shelter, um, in in the sandy area and once again the the soil is very sandy so which, it registers which, tracks we, which all good trackers know makes tracking right. easier of course we all know that unless <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot everyone knows that dude i'm totally like after talking to you i'm just gonna walk around southern delaware for a while acting like i've been on naked and afraid and telling your stories by the way okay <laughs> go for it Please, <laughs> i'm just gonna see how many people believe. like when i go pick up takeout i'm like God, it's so good to eat after dealing with 21 days of no food. <laughs> you, you don't know how grateful you are for food until you've gone without it. You'd really think an Impala would fulfill you. But, the, you know, the Dika, it's just like a little dessert. I mean, it yeah. does nothing. It's an, it's an amuse-bouge. There you go. Oh, please do. That'd be great. And you got to have like a look off into the distance, you know, yeah. like a thousand mile stare when you do it. And, too. and I'm just going to walk around with the necklace. Like the fucking necklace that you, oh, God, all you don't guys do that. get. Don't do that. I can't stand the people that do that. I'm going to be honest. Like, like I said at the very start, like I hope my existence as a human on this planet does not revolve around these few experiences I did in the wild. As cool as they are, right. I'm not going to base my personality on that. And sadly, when I see people wearing those necklaces like that, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, come on. Like, we don't we don't care that much. Dude, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in like Tyson did and just get that bitch tattooed around my neck. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking wear V-cuts no matter the weather. And I'm just like, yep. Yep. Rock it out. Lots of, yeah, lots yep. of deep Vs to show it off. M- machete. Machete on my forearm. Always ready. Oh. Fire starter Damn. on my wrist. Yeah, I can't wait to see you on the show now. And, and yeah, and then as soon as I get like, as soon as it gets to the point where you got to throw your underwear on the truck, I'm like, tap. All right, man, let's roll back. I got my experience. I'm good. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was just me being stupid. Um, yeah, so good. Yeah, so leopard hunting you, you being the prey. Yes. So we, the first few nights first many nights we didn't have fire so it was very cold in namibia it was a high desert so it was like five thousand foot elevation so it'd get down in the 40s and 
sometimes in the 30s at night, and we were just freezing our asses off, as you can imagine, without fire. And so we weren't sleeping much at night, but um, we woke up one morning, and we looked, and these massive cat tracks were coming towards our shelter. Um, And basically, this big female, which we found out there was a mom in the area, and we had kind of gotten into her range while she had a cub. Oh, yeah, we found out later, and she basically, like, came up to, like, maybe 15, maybe 10 yards from where we were sleeping or resting at night. And she, like, you could see in the tracks what she did. I mean, she literally, like, leaned in, then she, like, sat on all, you know, was stopped moving and put her paws close, and then she leaned forward. And you could literally see the claw register marks in the sand. So I still don't know if she was leaning forward like she was about to pounce and had her claws out or if she just didn't want to get any closer and was kind of like tiptoeing, you know, leaning forward. That was her. But I mean, her claws are out and she was very close and we were awake and we didn't hear a damn thing, you know, like fucking zero. Jesus, that's glorious. That that is fucking thrill. Like just, oh, got me going. And yeah. And and leopards. um evolutionarily used to specialize in apes i mean like we were like we we're a little bit i'm a little bit big probably for most leopards now it could still happen but you know imagine us being ancient humans you know being a little bit smaller uh you take a nap under a tree in africa and then all of a sudden you get pulled up a tree so like leopards really like humans and they're kind of specialists and <laughs> that night she decided for whatever reason not to go after us you know she probably could have killed both of us quite easily um so how big's the yeah, paw I mean, print that you're seeing like sorry how big's the paw print similar size to your hand with the claws um, out yeah i'd say a little bit smaller you know mm-hmm. like large i have pretty big mitts and no need to brag large... no need to brag luke no need to brag <laughs> well i i <laughs> uh, just for um, I got you know like I'm no Kawhi Leonard or anything but like my hand is about like all my fingers if you do a circle around my fingers that's about as big as large male lions I've seen okay. in Africa gotcha and then a little bit smaller than that you know maybe three quarters of that is like a large leopard from what I've seen okay. so um, but big enough yeah, and fucking two of them are coming at you. And then that pounce. Jesus, like, that's what I'm thinking, dude. If you're fucking, like, 30 feet away, like, that that gap can close really quick. With oh, pounce. it's, a, yeah, it's not even a challenge. I mean, it's not even a challenge. I don't have a pointy stick. If I don't have a pointy stick or fire, that, that game is over really fast. Right. Why, what was um stopping you guys from getting the fire going? Struggle. <laughs> um, so yeah, no- my first episode kind of revolved around that that whole storyline of fire. Um, making fire from sticks is, was one of my first primitive skills that I had learned, and one that I really enjoyed and really pushed myself with. And so going into the challenge, I wouldn't say I was cocky, but I was confident in my ability to make fire. And um, yeah, just struggled in different using different woods, making a strong enough cordage to make a bow drill kit. Um, basically I wanted to hand drill a fire, which is rubbing a stick with another stick while using your hands. Right. Okay. Um, but the plant that I needed was not in this small area that they allowed me to be in. Um, and so I all of a sudden had to make a bow drill kit, which is 
similar. You're rubbing sticks together, but you're using a bow and a string to spin the piece of wood on another piece of wood. And in order to make that, you need really, really strong fibers. And that's really hard to make in nature. And so that was the main thing that was slowing me down um, to make fire. So we were just cold and miserable for like seven or eight nights in a row. It was horrible. Jesus. And is, so that was kind of like your shtick or your skill. And Lindsay, was she like the primitive person like that too? Or is she more like, hey, I'm kind of outdoorsy. I enjoy camping. Um, and I'm just going for the experience or is she coming like she's yeah. legit, like a phlebotomist. It's not phlebotomist, is it? That's the person who deals <laughs> no, with you when you're dead. blood pressure person. Yeah. Um, but what's the person that like knows all about the plants and can just fucking like scavenge and says, oh, this is a. Oh, I don't know. Like an herbalist. Maybe. So I've seen them on the show every once in a while where it's like their skill is I just know all this shit that's edible in these regions. Yeah. But they, that's the funny thing is they don't know the fucking – and then they go to Thailand and it's like, well, it turns out I don't know shit here. Oh, you know? dude, they like, don't give you a heads up? Like they're, they're not telling you like, hey, man, in three weeks uh, you're going to – Sometimes, not really. Sometimes, you know, I've had anywhere from like a couple months in advance to like a couple weeks in advance. And then when they tell you, you're like, oh, you're going to South Africa, which is a lot like saying you're going to the United States of America. Right. It's like, well – where the fuck am I going? Am I going to Arizona? Am I going to Maine? You know, like there's a lot of different regions within it. So it's not, it's, it's not easy to, I mean, once again, like I think there's this oversimplification of primitive skills and survival skills, if you want to call it, but you know, survival skills is like the most basic, right? There are some survival skills that we can use from location to location. That's the most shallow skills we can have. But then if we get into primitive skills and then like, living skills which is like day to day how am i using these skills right there's so it's there's so much depth that i can't even describe you know like this is one thing i'm always trying to describe with my school is people like message me and they're like hey i want a tana hide and i have a day <laughs> and i'm like well it takes a lot longer than that to do that or they're like i want to build a bow i have to I have a weekend you know and you're like Jesus Christ, like I cut this tree two years ago and it's do you know, it's seasoning and I had to cut it at this season and I had to, you know, do all these things to it. Like it's, there's so much nuance to these skills because nature is always changing and because, you know, they're living things still. Like even after you cut it, the wood is shifting and changing and moving. And, um, you know, many indigenous people talked about that, how these, you know, even when you make a drum or you make a bow, they're still living because you have to treat them. They're changing. They're not like this plastic thing that we're used to in the world. So, right. um, so yeah. So when I see people on the show that are like, Oh, I, I know these plants. I'm really good at plants. It's like, you're so ignorant that you don't even know that you're not good at plants. Gosh, if you dude. go out of your ecosystem, you know, dude, that's fucked up. I had no idea. So they don't give you like a little like cheat sheet of, Hey man, when you're preparing, be prepared to deal with, ocean waves or be prepared to deal with yeah, I mean stiff- you get a, you get a crash course you know but once again it's like yes you get a crash course and that will help here are the animals that will eat you you okay. know like don't mess around with this plant blah 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 but the you know the true skills that you really need to thrive in a place are millennia and millennia after millennia of humans learning and practicing yeah yeah so well, Luke, I have to do this because I think I have the nerve. And this is okay. not from me, but it kind of is from me. Um, okay. So I had a pod with Olivia that I think I'm posting in a couple of days. Um, she okay. is a 
art major, I believe 25, 26 ish. She's directed like a town play. She's a photographer, like super cool chick. She's actually trying out. She submitted for survivor, which are like where all the fucking punks go who get rejected from making afraid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they're more cutthroat. I just can't do that. I can't. Oh dude, that, yeah, that, that's the whole fucking thing she was telling me about. She's like, no, it doesn't matter what your skills are. It actually is all about how much of a like mental manipulator you want to be. And she's totally. like, I'm going to fucking kill it. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. So anyway, like it, Average. I had her on. Then I was asking her for, um, like for a picture or whatever so that I could post it with the pod. And then um, she's like, yeah, um, let me just stop editing my video for Survivor. So then I bring her back and I'm like, dude, you got to tell me all about this. Anyway, so we're talking and it comes up and it actually is a great segue. So you're cold at night. I'm imagining that you're having to like share body heat and snuggle. Sure. Like erections just popping up, human nature. How are you dealing with this, man? Because we, we couldn't wrap our heads around like, are there little naked and afraid babies that are happening? Cause you're out there, you're bored. Like I'm not saying you did with this Christian housewife, like Jesus, I don't want to like put that there. But like we went down this whole path of like, how do you deal with this awkwardness of like a morning erection? <laughs> and you're like, you're, and you got to like stay together. Cause that's how you survive. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like the holy grail of these shows, right? Is like the producers are still hoping and wishing that someone is going to get frisky, you know, on one of these episodes. Fancy. And my knowledge, it hasn't happened. I think they've alluded to it that, you know, maybe tried to play it up a bit, you know, that it has in a few episodes. But um, to my knowledge, I don't know anyone, you know, that has. Because it's just not sexy. It's just like the least sexy thing I've ever done in my life. Like, you know, we can go to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you want to take it a psychological route of like food and shelter and warmth and comfort are more important. And if you don't have those things, your body's not going to tell you to try and reproduce right now. And so the first day, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of like, you know, like, okay, I'm still well fed enough and. You know, like, oh, yeah, that's that's interesting and sexy and blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) pretty quickly, that goes away almost immediately. And you're focused on food. And so for me personally, you know, that wasn't a problem. You know, like you're cuddling. It's just like just, you know, tuck tuck the boys and and get in there for body warmth. (laughs) And there's nothing there's nothing sexy about that. And um, although one time I do remember (laughs) this was on the 40 day one. that we ate well enough one day. We had a whole electric eel that we consumed, um, just tons of fat, tons of meat, just stuffing ourselves all day. It was glorious. And then the next morning, I woke up and had a had a had a boner, <laughs> and <laughs> I was so happy because I felt like finally my body's like I have enough energy that my body's like, oh, we could do this for a second. <laughs> and I woke up and announced it to my group. I was like, yo. I got a boner and everyone's like, yeah, like we all like celebrated together, you know, pretty funny. (laughs) Celebratory boners, you know. Oh, Jesus. So I went to basic training and a word on the street in basic training. Every time you ate, you had to have the one non-negotiable of food consumption was you had to drink um, a cup of Powerade and it had to be a full cup. And three uh-huh. times a day, you had to drink a full cup. So like, whatever, we're, you know, a bunch of dudes and we're fucking in basic training. There, there were no girls um, at a Fort Benning where I went. So uh-huh. you're with guys, 60, 60 dudes in a 
you know, you got a bunk mate. It's just fucking stupid. You're 18, 19, 20. Um, so like a couple days go by and like start wondering, you're like, dude, how come none of us have erections? Like we, we're not fucking waking up with any morning wood, man. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the uh-huh. fuck? Uh-huh. And like real quick, we're like, is it the Powerade? Are they fucking like suppressing our <laughs> testosterone or masculinity? Cause they don't like, I don't know, like worry about someone like sexually assaulting someone. Cause you're not getting some ass right. for a while or whatever. Uh-huh. And when we finally got to go home and like when we came back, um, cause it was like Christmas break, like we would just talk so much shit about it. Cause we're like waking up and we're like, Oh buddy, I'm so glad I'm going to miss you when you're gone type shit. Cause like we feared the power aid getting back in our system. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no problem when you went home. No dude. It was like maybe like a day or two where, where like yeah. you're, you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, let me, uh-huh. let me drink some more water. Like, let me figure this out. And you don't know if it's like mental at that point or if it's like right. a real physical, like physiological thing. And you, you right. never know, but that's awesome. You're waking up and you're like having a boner cheer. And you're just yeah. like, woo. I remember working in um, wilderness therapy and wilderness therapy worked where you would work eight days in the field with, you know, troubled youth. And then you'd work, then you would be off for six days and you would mostly like, you know, go adventuring because you got a wad of cash and you'd like, you know, drink beer, eat really good food go adventure somewhere and like have a good time. And I remember my body was so used to that, that like, you know, the eight days working cause you're with the kids all the time in the desert. It was like, no, you know, no thoughts of sexuality right. at all. It was just like totally turned off. And then I'd come home and be with my girlfriend and be like, Oh, we you know make lots of love. And it was like really fun. And I remember one time I switched shifts so that oh. my, you know, like normally when I was working, I was a, not working and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my sexual my my sex drive was totally confused because uh, I had done that for so long and that same routine and that same schedule that <laughs> it was like backwards. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm getting boners when I'm not supposed to and not getting boners when I'm not supposed to. So <laughs> it was, it's interesting how much our body can remember and can take yeah take part in that. Dude, it um yeah it it, it is amazing what the body can get conditioned to time wise to just function at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, you actually answered that really well. She's going to be super happy. And for anyone listening who wants advice, um, if you want to be that person on Naked and Afraid that um, skates the line to a sexual assault charge, first night's your best shot. <laughs> Build the chemistry quick. That's, first that's, night's your best shot, bro. <laughs> that's the advice I've given. If someone, you know, like, she's, if you want to go for it, first night, that's about all you got. Dude, by like day whatever, how fucking stank are you guys? Like, can you even smell each other? Or is it just like, it's so, it's putrid that you're like, I, I'm nose numb. No, you know, I think that's, that's another myth that we have about our bodies is that we're supposed to be nasty and smelly. And like, if you smell animals, I don't know if you've ever gotten close enough to smell a wild animal or, you know, like cats or dogs, like they're not that smelly. They have a smell, but right. um I tend to be of the belief that people that have a lot of smell going on, you know, either have lots of hormones going on like teenagers or, you know, or there's some, some sort of imbalance often to do with hormonal or what kind of food they're putting into their body. So, you know, to be honest, like, I know it, it sounds unbelievable, but like, I, I promise you, we didn't smell. Like I would talk to the camera crew and be like, I'm pretty sure I don't smell right now. And, you know, we'd go in the river and dip off, you know, clean up, but, it was not stinky. I mean, all the places I was at were 
they're also quite dry areas. So that helps, you know, kind of keep the, the humidity out. Um, but really, you know, if, especially when you're fasting, you, uh, your body is cleansing. And um, I don't remember anyone being stinky. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, we were healthy. We were probably the healthiest we've been while starving, you know. Right. So. That's a, Jesus, that's a great point. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that because even just like the lack of food, your body's not naturally like you're just not processing a ton of shit to be stinky. Yeah, totally, dude. How yeah. fucking jealous are you of these camera crew guys? Like they're going back to their tents or whatever, and they're fucking having buffets, and you're like <laughs> smelling the food that they're cooking up. Or am, or am I overplaying kept the food that? Food away, you know. But yeah, they were definitely. It was they felt for you, you know. Luckily, almost everyone I've worked with, the vast vast majority of crew have been nothing but sweet and supportive and empathetic you know like they you know they'd go to their room at night and it would rain all night and they'd come back in the morning and see us like shivering curled up in our you know shelter and they would just have like their hearts would be broken you know like they were like when we would cry they would cry when we would celebrate they would celebrate you know like they were literally on the journey with us and so um so yeah, I mean, I wish I was in their hotel room, but they also like, you know, like in Colombia, it was like 120 degrees during the day and they were like wearing clothes and lugging around these giant cameras. And I was just like taking a nap in the shade or like going swimming, you know? So like there were some shitty moments where I was happy. I was not a cameraman too. So Olivia was saying like, and again, she's the camera person. She was like, you know what? I think I actually like, it'd be kind of cool. And I hope I can become like a crew person that actually films um, mm-hmm. these people. And I'm like, and when she said, it, I'm like, that would be a kick-ass job because you do kind of get to experience it. But at the same time, you're not like as immersed. So you mm-hmm. can still enjoy a little bit of a pampered life. Yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, from what I've seen, I really enjoy the people that are those kind of wild camera crew producer types that want to go on the adventures. And I mean, it was, a, I remember in, for the 40 day one, it was a slog for those workers, they were like, they were worn out, you know, they, they had like an hour and a half commute from town down a river in a Jeep, you know, to come get us every day. And so like, you know, three hours of just traveling every day right. and then eating like, you know, they were in a, we we're in this little tiny town in Colombia, and it's like crappy food and, you know, the mosquitoes. And then they got to, when they get home, they're actually not done working because they have to, you know, unload all of the like video and, edit it and talk to the people in LA and there it was I mean I was impressed with most of their resolve because it just it just seemed they were worn out almost as much as we were you know from such a job so yeah that's it's, it seemed like a cool job though you get to travel a lot you know but you know I know that's hard on family life too so pros and cons right yeah oh see and that's something also I didn't know the hotel thing versus I figured they were just like camping down from you guys or whatever uh, well, both. It depends on where you're at. You know, there's usually a, um, a camp pretty close just in case an emergency happens. But then there's a, you know, farther away, there's a, a more, you know, uh, you know, bigger camp where there's electricity and all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, well, I don't want to spend the whole pod just making it like you into the naked and afraid guy because you're <laughs> definitely not just the naked and afraid guy. But is there anything else you want to share about naked and afraid before we get to know a little more? about you versus uh luke the well well endowed large hand three times survivalist 
Oh, Jesus, what have I created? <laughs> no, I think that's good for Naked Afraid. You know, that's that's funny. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about your sports history because you had messaged and said like, hey, man, would it be cool to like talk basketball or whatever? And you said you played sports and were pretty competitive. Um, mm-hmm. So are you like sneaky, like 6'5", like white chocolate, no, throwing no. down dunks kind of a thing? No, I've never dunked in my life. I am, I'm like 6'1", you know, I grew up in a small town and played a lot of sports. Football was my big passion. Okay, Um, 6'1". So are you like tight end or are you wide receiver? Oh God, I wish. So I grew up, you know, when I was younger playing tight end and really loved that position. Um, Ideally, I would have loved to be a fullback. I think that was, I love just just destroying people, you know, get a full head of steam. That was kind of my role. Um, but I went to a small school and, um, not totally small, but not definitely not big. And, um, I was really smart and I really liked leading. And so my coaches pretty early on were like, Hey, we want you on offensive line. Mm. So I was like, all right, whatever the team says, I'd love to do it. You know, like just, just give me that opportunity. So I actually played, um, I was a center in, in my, my senior year. Um, at a, at about you know six one about maybe one ninety five. I was about to say, know? dude, just looking at your pictures, unless you fucking lost like a hundred and twenty pounds on naked and afraid and never put it back yeah. on, you do not strike me as an offensive lineman at all. No, I was definitely we're, and that was our team, and I, that's what I loved. Like we had a, I had a, you know, I know a lot of people say this, but I had an amazing coach and um, who was a, a mentor of mine, you know, for for most of my life growing up, and um. I had a bunch of buddies who were just hardcore about football and that was what we did. We didn't like school much. We didn't like our home lives much. So what we did is we were just gym rats and we would just work our asses off and uh, push each other and have a good time. And so my core, you know, my linemen with me, we were, we didn't have a single starting lineman over, you know, 200 pounds. And so we built the team around that and we were, we were an I formation team. So we were just like literally like lining up every play and just running the ball and just beating the crap out of people. We were, you know, we were that team that was like first quarter, we probably getting our asses kicked, but because we were in such good shape, because my coach was so hardcore and old school by the fourth quarter, we were just steamrolling teams. And, doing it with brains too. So it was kind of a heart thing, you know, we had big hearts and worked hard, but also it was, we were really smart. And so our offensive line, you know, we were always doing combo blocks and moving and zone blocking and just totally changing everything, every play because we were smart and we could do it. So, um, so that's like, I just love that. I love the intensity. I love being able to like be violent, you know, right. <laughs> like yeah. that was a repressed thing in my, in my life was this aggression. So that was a chance for me to just be like savage and, you know, talk shit and, um, connect with my teammates and battle. And, you know, I think, I think that that really set the stage for things like naked and afraid. Cause I just love the intensity and craved it. And sadly it's hard to find, you know, in our everyday life is good, healthy out- outlets for rage and aggression. Yeah. I think it's why the fucking like CrossFit and MMA, um, sparring is just fucking taken off for all these different like you do you see motherfuckers 40 years old and they look like they're in pajamas in their the is it gi the uniform yeah gi. Mm-hmm. yeah but like they want to get choked out and but the funny the, <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is like they bond from everything what i hear like you bond so much with this person that's beating the shit out of you because mm-hmm. of that like respect of like it's again that primal thing and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize, like, you grow up just fucking competing so much over so stupid things. My daughter and I have invented a, a 
game on the trampoline. It's probably not the safest thing, but we put six different balls in there. We call it kickball, dodgeball on the trampoline. And we're just fucking wailing, dude. Like I've hit her in the face so many times, this poor child, like with a fucking soccer ball, with a volleyball, like with, and like, she's not crying. She's getting tough. And I'm like, I doubt we're going to do this when you're 25. And like, there's going to be this whole gap in her life until like she gets a kid where she gets this like aggression. It's great for me. Cause like, I'm just fucking, you know, I'm bullying her. But at the same time, like, I think that is a human nature thing, you know, oh, and yeah. most people do, you can lose it, especially if you're into the sports um, mm-hmm. through high school. Yeah. There's, um, you, need you know, I'm it. into healing and uh, psychology. That's part of what I do as, as a teacher. And one of the, big patterns we see in people is what we call the aggressive pattern, right? So some people might be friendly to deal with stresses in life while other people might be more aggressive. And this pattern in our lives really arises when we didn't have a bigger figure than us in life. So when you're a kid and you don't have that person who's strong and in control, you as a little kid are worried unconsciously Mm. and so you're like oh shit i gotta be the one who's in control and is strong right and that's when you get these little bullies because they're not being contained and held and someone's not hitting them in the head and saying hey that's not okay you can't do that you know yeah Um, teaching them to not be aggressive by being aggressive being like stop that shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean just friendly you know you know there's healthy obviously ways to to hold those boundaries yeah but what i see and what i feel in my own i run i tend to run this pattern if we call it a pattern right these these tendencies where i need really intense things i need to let out my aggression Mm. and you know this tends to happen a little bit more, you know, more in men than women. And we just tend need to like, need to get our asses kicked. And that's what, how beautiful, you know, I'm sure you probably had that experience in the military where there was something greater than you that was holding you, you know, that was containing you and it feels safe and comfortable. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like I'll do my part and I'll do my role, but I don't have to be the one in control, you know, the one leading everything. So I, I, I just started getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu this last year. And oh, no way. I totally call it my, like, aggressive therapy, you know. And right. So as a beginner, you just get your ass kicked. And I get choked out ten times, you know, when I go and train. And it it does help me where it's just like, okay, I got my ass kicked. And there's kind of this just humbling medicine that comes from getting your ass kicked. Right. And learning and then trying again, so. Yeah, the, the Brazilian. That's funny that you did get into the jujitsu thing, man. I fucking called it. You know, I'm. You know what I'm gonna start doing? I'm just gonna start being a profiler. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up my own business. I'm like, you know what? 30, 30 some pods in. I just know. I I just know. Yeah. I just know a person. And that's it. You could work for Facebook. I think they they value that skill. Oh Jesus! I don't want to get into the Facebook thing. I'm so scared <laughs> of Facebook and Amazon. Um, did you uh, did you try to get like? college play ball or anything like that or you were you like know, i saw the so fucking actually, numbers so yeah so i played, played football and then i played basketball which in, at the time in high school was just kind of the sport that kept me in shape for football you know okay i didn't spend a lot of time on it and i was horrible at basketball i was like the lineman playing you know that guy oh, dude, you know the lineman playing basketball okay. i was like rebound, I was playing rebound in defense rebound in defense that's exactly like box out take charges <laughs> you know all the scrappy shit that's what i was doing yep. um coaches love you guys yeah they exactly um and then I played tennis was my third sport. Oh, and shit. I actually came from a tennis family and tennis was like my gift. Like it just came naturally to me. I don't know why. 
but I hated the sport. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I thought it was so boring. No aggression. I man. just wanted to punch everyone in the face yeah. that I played against. Um, so I, I definitely, I could have, if I had pursued tennis, I could have played in college, but I didn't want to. Um, I really want to play football, but because, you know, I was put in a lineman spot for the team, you know, I, I, that wasn't, that wasn't likely for me. Um, yeah, my, my ego would like to think that if, you know, if I was allowed to play fullback or tight end, perhaps, you know, I probably could have, probably could have gone somewhere small and played, but right. you know, I'm glad I didn't, um, you know, um, cause then I got to, got to college and had a lot of free time and that's when I fell in love with basketball all over again. And I was just a gym rat and just played pickup like three hours a day and just like learned the, uh, the religion of, of pickup basketball and just like loved it. So that's, that's my big sport now is, um, is basketball, you know, it's just being able to compete and, um, yeah, I just love it. Still great. What do you mean the religion of pickup? (laughs) I don't know. Like there's this like, there's this, I wouldn't say spirituality of basketball, but maybe, but a little bit short of that, <laughs> where I love it so much that it's like this, it's probably a lot like why I love survival. You know, it's like, it can be this intense competitive thing, um, but it, it, my mind goes away and it becomes this total free form expression of my body that you know my my thinking mind goes away and i'm totally in the flow state and i just get to like play and express myself through my body but also there's this like so that's just like kind of like me individually but then there's this another layer of team basketball which i'm kind of an idealist old school no three-point line kind of (laughs) you know uh fan like spurs basketball you know like just pass the ball move without it move without the ball and like yeah get the open shot you get that team oh my god it's like poetry you know it's like so beautiful but it's such a rare thing these days yeah it um the watching the bulls documentary is like kind of bringing that back um to just realize and i know a lot of it's just jordan fucking being jordan and just sure being a freak but like at the same time that the team did move a ton and they did cut a ton and it was all oh, yeah. know, ball reversals and driving for a purpose and then looking for a better shot and stuff. Golden State Warriors are actually a lot like that. Um, yeah, Golden State can be like that for sure. You know, and yeah, it does. It is way more fun. I hate the fucking Harden. Let me uh, let, let me just spread the floor. I'm attack you from the top of the key. And now they're even done with pick yeah. and rolls. And I'm like, I don't want to see that shit. I just don't yeah. want to. It's it's not enjoyable. No, it's not. It's just, it's yeah. And I get it for ratings. It works. And they're, you know, one of my favorite teams, you know, growing up in Michigan, the 2004 Pistons was like my team, oh, dude, you I, know, fuck that. And they, 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 those bitches never broke 80 in a game. Jesus. <laughs> and that was boring to the other end of the spectrum, right? All the rules were favored for defense. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was like a 60 point game. It was very dude. boring, but it was like, it was cool to watch still. And so now we're at the other end of the spectrum where they're, all the rules are favoring the offense. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's, it's taken, taken something away from me. But still appreciate the, you know, the individual athleticism. Those people are just, you know, the Russell Westbrooks and the Hardens are just unreal humans. I don't even stupid. know how to fathom no their abilities. Just stupid. Stupid to be able to, like, jump and keep going up. Oh, just everything they do. Like, in the tennis world... I was in, you know, the competitive tennis world and there were like so many levels, like I was really good in my state, you know, and then they were like another tier, another like, you know, 
exponential unit above me was like people that were really good in college. And then above that was like semi pros. Then above that, like every time you go up a level, it's like exponentially better. And then you get to like Roger Federer and you're just like, no one can fathom how good this person is to beat everyone else handedly in the world, like is insane. And so the same kind of goes with basketball players where it's like, if you saw these people in person to see how big they are and how fast they are, and then to know that one person can like score on anyone at any time, that's just mind boggling. I don't know how that humans do that. It's crazy. No, next world. Um, Just the ability to, I don't know, the, the, the quickness with the size is uh, mm-hmm. it's like genetically modified. I don't, yeah. I don't get it either. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I saw Rasheed Wallace in a warm up one time shoot. Uh, he was ambidextrous, so he was shooting three. He was shooting half court shots with his left hand, <laughs> and he made seven out of eight at one point. God, and I was just, and he wasn't jumping. Yeah, that was right? the other part. He was just standing like a free throw. Yeah, and but I again, was like, he's fucking what, like 6'10", 270? Yeah, I big, mean, a huge man, a huge fucking man. So, and I was on the court, and I saw him, and just the size of him, and it was just like, oh my god, like TV makes him look so normal, and you see them in person. Because well, like, they're oh, all so yeah. fucking big, and like you look at Steph Curry, and you're like, man, he's a fucking midget, and if he walked up next to you, you would feel like Muggy Bogues. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Curry's 6'3", 6'4", and the dude's fucking chiseled, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I I've re- it's it's funny because like again, like with the Jordan and he drinks and he does all this stuff and like the question just keeps coming in your head like, if you go back to purpose, he was just mm-hmm. fucking meant to be an mm-hmm. alpha competitor, sports mm-hmm. entertainer, like mm-hmm. just the like genetically that's fucking the spirit that's in that man. Yep, and totally. like some dudes just get that. Yep, he was that was that was what he was meant to do here. So when you're playing pickup basketball and stuff, are you like the, you're calling every ticky tack foul? Are you trying to get into fights? Are you the guy setting back screens or are you just like keeping it cool, hitting jumpers? No, I'm definitely, my jumper is gone. Not that it was ever great, but I'm definitely more <laughs> of a, an intense drive. I still like to play the post. Oh, I feel because okay. that's what I played in high school, you know, and I, I, I pump fake about 30 times to get a layup Love in. It. Kevin and, McHale. Uh, Fucking yeah, exactly. Unders. A little Kevin McHale. Up and under probably, you to you know, um, maybe a Manu Ginobili when I'm at my best okay. kind of style, like really aggressive slashing, you know, um, smart kind of player reading the defense and going with that. Um, yeah, I'm not calling fouls. I'm definitely talking though, you know, like yeah. what I get most afraid of, especially in so much pickup, I'm not playing any high caliber, you know, like I'm playing with like, you know, 30 or 40 year old dudes. Yeah. And I hold my own and it's fun to think I'm Kobe out there. And then when someone gives me an elbow, you know, to get, get flared up and get going and, right. but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and that feels good to like, let it out, like get pissed at each other, compete and fight. And that's great in a safe container. And then at the end of the day, we all, you know, slap each other on the ass and say, good job, fatso, you know, like <laughs> not, not take ourselves too seriously. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm to the point where like, I'd rather go for a jog than play pickup because I'm like, if I play pickup, I'm not going to do what I want to do because of the fear of, man, I'm trying to fucking twist my ankle and not be able to work for like a week or two. You know, you're like one cool move away from tearing an ACL, you know, you're just like, and when you start thinking that way and you just want to be the dude that's kind of elbow to elbow looking for a Mm -hmm. jumper. Nah, man, just, just fucking. It's true. Yeah. That's the thing that I, 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 um, hurt my ankle really badly about 
five years ago now. And then I stopped playing basketball for like three or four years because of it. It was so bad and was just worried about, you know, hurting it. So I took up running and started running long distances and that works. I still do that. I like that, but something about that, you know, competition that is more fun. So I started playing again this last year and a half and finally got my stride and yeah, you're right. Those ankle injuries I got, you know, I jump and I start jumping high and then the heavy dude next to me just doesn't jump and all those ankles are just sitting there when I come down. And yeah, so I actually was happy that I had to stop playing because of this coronavirus pandemic because I I realized how messed up my ankle is and how much I've been playing on it and was yeah probably making stupid moves with it because I wanted to compete so so now it's back to trail running for me as of now have you um ever tried golf or is that too uppity because you hate all uppity rich things like tennis and golf (laughs) man you are good at reading people (laughs) damn it hear that Facebook (laughs) fucking drop my resume bitch I'm sure they're hearing everything anyway. Yeah, I got into golf a little bit, you know, but it's just, it's, it's too boring and rich. And the ecologist in me just hates it because we put, put these golf courses where, you know, golf courses aren't supposed to exist. So I'll, I'll play it, you know, I'll go to a bachelor party and whatever. I'll play around and hold my own, but it's, it's not my go-to for sure. Have you ever top golfed? Oh, is that the like where you drink beer and like launch them? Yes. So it's like yeah. a three tier driving range. Yeah, I did go to one of those in uh, Phoenix with my buddy not too long ago. Oh, and that was I, I like that. That, that was my kind of thing. You're just like, all right, let's yeah. send some balls into you know into the atmosphere. All kinds of different games. So like the the one that I'm thinking of, it's probably the same thing. You know, like different different holes have different point values mm-hmm. and you can like get whatever you get 20 balls. Who's going to get the highest point value, the closer you get to the 10 or the, um, yep. yeah. All right. And the fact that you can just, you have a, your own personal fucking Butler, a waitress is just, or a waiter is coming by and you can just have pitchers of beer and you're just fucking yeah. whacking it and you pay like by the hour who fucking goes bowling when you can go top golfing, <laughs> right? Like what the fuck can we get more of these things across America? Yeah, eat your heart out, Rome. You know, we really know how to do it now. Yeah, dude. Like top, I fucking top golfed and I was like, I'm in. I'm fucking, it's, (laughs) it's like a three, the closest one's like three hours from me. Uh And like, I'll talk to myself, I'll leave work and I'll be like, you know, I could drive two and a half hours to Philadelphia if I just brought my clubs with me and make it back by like 10 and still be able to work tomorrow. Like that, Uh that'd be totally fine drinking a pitcher of beer and driving, you know, like two and a half hours back. No danger. God. Are you a big golfer? Not, not. So I'm the, I'm the asshole golfer. Cause I hate rich people too. So I like to golf in bare feet and corduroys. And I have a set of clubs I got from a, a yard sale with a leather, like a fake leather, like crocodile bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally spent money on a decent driver, but I love like sneaking beer onto the course and just drinking. And I put on some headphones um, and I just listen to music and tan. I like to take my shirt off until someone tells me I have to put it back on. <laughs> and I'm like a hippie, man. Dude. And I love being the guy that like doesn't give a fuck. And I'm basically keeping up with like these people that are like in their under armor gear and tucked in polos. And they've got, you know, like $2,000 worth of clubs. And I'm like, the fuck oh, yeah. are you doing, man? Like Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, so now I'd go out there to golf to piss people off. And then like by the fourth beer, I start feeling myself and I'm like rapping along with Eminem, like <laughs> in your backswing. I don't give a fuck that you're putting. 
Like what the what the fuck, dude? I'm I'm feeling myself, you know. Like yeah. that's. I mean, Slim Shady playing. You can't you can't give any fucks. No, you can't. I've, yeah, no doubt. Um, but that's <laughs> like, and that's part of me where like I feel terrible admitting that. And if you ever see me on the golf course, I'm sorry that I'm that guy. But I don't know why <laughs> Isn't I enjoy it funny that. Funny how that works. Where like when I'm playing pickup basketball with 40 year old men, I feel like Kobe Bryant, and no one could convince me otherwise. Right? And when you're on the golf course your, you know, Marshall Mathers or whoever. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Then we like look at ourselves and we're like, oh, that's embarrassing. No doubt. Like if it was recorded, like what the fuck are you <laughs> yeah, doing? Exactly. Sean? Jesus, Sean, stop it. Stop. Dude, conform. <laughs> conform to the norms. They're there for a reason. They keep you right, safe. Right. <laughs> God, man. Um, fuck. So we're pushing two hours at this point. And I, who did I say this to? I think I actually might've been last night. I kind of hate doing these at three and I got to get better at it, man, because like the pressure of dinner time and shit like that, I, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't like having to worry about the clock, but at the same time, social norms, I do have to worry about the clock. Sure. So sure. let me end the pod on this Luke. And I thank you for your time. Yeah. Let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last sponsored by abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. First for last. You're gonna have to define that. I oh, know. I thought you were gonna be the first one. I always have to. Wait, right, hang on. Best first, like my best first of all time in some category. Exactly. That's a good story to tell. You nailed yeah. it. Yeah. See, I think okay. people get it, and I think they're being like, feel like they're being set up or some shit. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, man. I thought like best for last. So best first for last because I really love alliteration. So like whatever the first experience story that you got, that's just like fucking dope or like cool to hear. Man. Hmm. Let me think. And we already got your best first time that um, strangers cheered your erection. So we don't need. We don't need. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we already talked about the best first time. I killed an animal with a bow that I made. You know, like, yeah, no, and that, dude, and it's funny because a lot of these pods, like, they, they go that way where, you're, like, people are just always sharing those first. So it kind of like can make you dive a little deeper to think, like, what's something fucking kind of weird yeah. and out there that I like was the like question. A best like, first. Hmm. You can edit out all the time while I'm thinking, right? I can, or I leave it in just to humble you a little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's <laughs> just, a bad. Just show how slow my mind is working. Or how thoughtful you are. Mm, yes. And you gotta you gotta realize I'm rubbing my beard right now too and really thinking deeply. Light the cigar. Pour the cognac. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes I've like and I guess I'm kinda like stalling to fill the time, but like I've I've hesitated to give examples and shit of my own because it kinda sure. puts people's mind on that track. Sure. And sometimes that's helpful because they're like, Oh yeah, 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 that's right. I hadn't thought about that. Almost like what you were saying with Africa where it's like I don't get triggered to think about it often. So when mm-hmm. I do, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I, as an aspiring, not only profiler, but host struggle mm-hmm. with the, um, guidance. The yeah. yeah. You know, and I've had people tell me like, Hey man, you should really like give them a heads up that you're going to end the pod with the best first. This way they can right. like, get their story. Right. And I'm like, do you want that? Or do you want like the authenticity of the on the spot pressure right yeah because if you told me before i don't think it would have had the same yeah authenticity or pop or creativity that i'm digging for right now you know exactly i think i would have just come up with some programmed answer so right yeah and then exactly then it's like this narrative that you're trying to craft um yeah 
Shut I don't up. know. You might need to inspire me, though. Oh, come on, man. Um, well, I'm sure I have a lot. That's the thing. Like, when people – I have a lot of stories, and people are like, tell me a story. And I'm like, I don't know. you got to give me a topic. And that's then, so true. you know, then I I'll have a story. Dude, I had someone, and um, she was like, uh, yeah, I used to do stand-up comedy. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Make me laugh. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the most dick thing you could do to somebody. Yeah, totally. Like you have <laughs> so hard to do. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I'll tell you my one joke, and then you'll understand why I stopped being a stand-up comedy comedian. <laughs> And she told it, and I was like, <laughs> and it was kind of funny, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, if that's the best you got, good, good choice. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Hey, job. Um, I don't know, man. Like, relational, you said something earlier about mushrooms, and I've been on this thing where I've had a bunch of people on who did the mm-hmm. um, ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, actually, Spencer, who posted today, went to Peru mm-hmm. and fucking tripped out on ayahuasca tea for two days. And that sure. wasn't his best first for last. Hey, he told me about the time he got fucking stuck on a mountain climbing in Iceland. And I was like, you're so fucking nuts, dude. He was like, yeah, I didn't have any gear. We were just driving around. I was like, man, that looks like a dope ass mountain. I'm going to go climb it. And my girlfriend's in the car and she had to go get help and the battery died because I was too long. And I'm like, I could have died. And she was like, but I wouldn't have been able to save you. And like, dude was stuck up there. And like the seagull inspired him. It wound up being Bob Marley. I was like you sure you weren't still up on that like ayahuasca tea man yeah we climbing um yeah. but yeah you could do like a, a mushroom ex- that's a good one mushroom zenish yeah. thing if you want to yeah yeah i'm a big uh i'm a big proponent of of the psychedelics um beyond the cool stories that you come out with you know it's it's the most healing you know, thing that I've ever experienced, I think. Um, Healing as far as mentally or as far as spiritually, like you're just feeling connected. Both. I mean, it's all the same, you know, when we, it'll, you know, it helps you pay attention, I think is one way I've said it. And so you, you you know, you get on the medicine and you're like, Oh my God, I've never noticed the shoulder pain before. And then you have to, it's not always comfortable. It's not fun, but you feel it more deeply. And then, you know, you can really, it's really noticeable. Everything's noticeable. You're like, oh, if your inner critic comes in, you're like, oh, I'm really hearing this voice that's telling me I'm a piece of shit right now, you know? And so it just illuminates all the things. And you, you know, as, as a culture that avoids and doesn't feel it's, it's very revealing, which is hard for people sometimes. And that's why they have quote unquote bad trips. But I think, you know, and more and more research is showing this, how, how powerful mushrooms and other psychedelics are to rewire our brain. And, you know, like the analogy I use is, you know, all of our set patterns we have in our brains are all from trauma and they're like a really well worn down path in the woods, you know, they've been cut and trampled and that's the easiest thing to do. That's the path of least resistance is to react that way, whatever that pathway is in our brain. And what the mushrooms does is it scrambles all of those and it connects all of these trails that have never been connected before. Ah. So next time we're faced with a choice, we have a little bit, it's a little bit easier to take a path of more resistance, right? Not do the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Dude, so that anyway, so that's, sense. that's my like plug for like, it's, you know, there's a lot of theories about, you know, humans getting the way we are because of mushrooms and because of psychedelics and yeah, so, seems to be at the root of our, our core in a lot of ways. And I haven't studied this, but now I'm kind of interested before we get the best first for last first time you took mushrooms when you were seven um is (laughs) is um would would you or have you do you know like gotta definitely wait till the brain is fully formed 
or like advantage if you are 15 taking this shit, like it might actually help your brain develop better. Have you gone down that road and researched that? That's a good that? question. I, I, you know, I, I didn't start until I was an adult. Um, I have, I have friends or acquaintances that start pretty young. Um, you know, and I don't know. I, 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 from my experience with it, this is just a total guess. Pull it out. You know, I have no idea. It'd be good to research something like that, but it just seems like it's just integrating everything. Like I said, it's just reconnecting your brain mm. and kids tend to already be in that space. I would say where they're That's like free yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they don't, they already, you know, uh, spaceships are kind of like my cram, you know, like yeah, yeah. they're, no, no, they're yeah. like fucking merm- mermaids like and unicorns are real. Yeah, exactly. Dude, so it's, it's going like, to be the saddest day when my daughter. It probably wouldn't make much of a difference, you know, to be honest. But it's um, a great point. I just don't. I can't see it being harmful, to be honest. But who knows? Yeah, well, because I mean, that's part of the whole pot smoking thing, right? Like, don't smoke pot while you're growing up because it right. fucks your mind up. And I, I, I've never researched the different effects of whatever THC and psychedelics and shit like that. Right. But right. it, it made the your analogy made me wonder about that. Um, mm-hmm. Could it, could it be helpful or an experience somehow? All right, man, yeah. let's get to it. First time you're tripping balls, naked, <laughs> afraid in the woods. Is this how you knew you were destined for that type of shit? You just wandered for days, was, wrestled a bear? Let's see. I think it was before all my naked afraids. And I went up to a cabin up in Michigan with my good buddies. My I had a men's group that I was a part of. And we would just be real and drink beer and talk about things and be honest and vulnerable and give each other feedback and advice. And so I had this trusted group of friends. One of them was my brother. And, um, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing and, um, <laughs> which is the best way to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> and, Oh man, I just never have been that out of, out of my mind, out of it, whatever, you know, I was really deep, deep in the medicine and, so were my friends. We were all, you know, like four or five of us all at the same time and mostly laughing and giggling, but definitely moments of terror and panic. And, um, and for some, whatever reason, as everyone else was kind of coming down and mellowing out, you know, this is probably at like two or three in the morning, people are starting to mellow out. Um, I start going deeper into this world. Oh, um, and just start going into this like dark, scary place, you know, we could call it my shadows or, you know, the place I didn't want to go emotionally. Mm. Um, and I just go like into this wormhole and, you know, as many people experience, I was basically like, I knew I was going to die and I had to be reborn. <laughs> and so like, How it felt you? really real. I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to die. And like, I have to do this by myself. And so I like went into this like dark corner of the room to die and <laughs> like totally felt like Armageddon happening in my body. You know, like I could see like nuclear bombs and, you know, the end of the world and death and destruction. And, and it was just like, I'm dying. And then like, it totally went blank. And then like, I remember it started with a breath and I was like a baby and I was just like, <gasps> And like, I was like my first breath, you know, like totally reborn. I could feel like amniotic fluid all over me. Like I just popped out of, you know, <laughs> a, a womb. And basically then I just like was a baby and like went through the developmental stages of becoming an adult all over again. 
in the matter of like you know an hour or whatever but yeah. it felt like eternity and well you're advanced. i got i mean it was it was it's hard to describe but i i was loopy and at one point i was convinced that i was i thought i was in this like inception world and i was never going to get out basically oh. i thought this was my new reality right. and so i decided just to like okay well this is my new reality i'm never leaving this trippy magic world and uh so i'll so <laughs> i became the joker from uh batman of course <laughs> which which one Car- cartoon um, or real i was the heath ledger version okay uh-huh. which was you know right at the time jesus and, uh, that's the darkest fucking one too <laughs> but i was laughing and like playing jokes on everyone and i like was i uh i um sorry um I started at one point I started spitting on my brother because I thought that was funny because I didn't think anything was real. So dick um, move. Yeah. And luckily my brother was like totally accepting and okay. And like <laughs> knew I needed some help at the time. Um, but anyway, it was wild. And um, I know this is probably not helping people who want to do <laughs> uh, mushroom trips for healing. And uh, this is an intense version and was sort of a, uh, renegade version if you will because there was no like no person holding the container and setting the space and leading a ceremony it was just like a bunch of dudes taking big doses and seeing what happens so um, yeah that was that was my favorite first it was it was beautiful and crazy and it totally destroyed me and recreated me and it shifted my whole life ever since then and um it was great was there like a being or a presence or just like a voice that took you to the wormhole where you knew like, okay, man, I got to deal with this shit or I got to die to get past this. I don't remember any like voice. I just, it's kind of like the thing I was talking about, just the knowing in my body, just like, okay, this is where I got to go. So, um, a wisdom, a wisdom in my body or something beyond me that didn't feel foreign. It just, it was already there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And here would be my follow-up as my with my old boomer ass. Like, so you're just running in circles where you can just like text your boy and get a fucking whatever, an ounce, um, several ounces of mushrooms? Like, or are you like being sneaky walking around the mall trying to like find a cool 18-year-old to be like, yo, man, you you got any connections? <laughs> Luckily I'm not old enough that I need to go find an 18-year-old, but um no, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I feel weird answering that question. Gotcha. I don't know how to answer. Yeah, that. don't get don't 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 snitch on your boy. Well, I guess part of it too is like is is that part of the wilderness thing where like you just know like you can go for a fucking hike and you're like picking this shit up and you're like oh dude it's gonna be a good night. Daddy's coming home with the bacon. That's in the realm of that's the funny thing when they make it illegal is like oh you just made nature illegal really like yeah. you know this thing that just naturally occurs in the woods but that's what our government does. So God, that is Luke, man. I am um I'm actually kind of bummed out because i think if we'd have gone that first time at six i'd have had um way more time um yeah yeah because well, there's kinda, always more time that's the beauty of time that that's so true man um and yeah definitely we'll um, we'll stay in touch man and uh down the road have you on and go down a little more into luke and not make it in afraid luke you always it's cool. fun like because you don't want to like pigeonhole someone but at the same time man that's some fucking dope ass interesting experiences. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of cool stories. I get it. I to, get it. You asked the good questions. You know, you, you it wasn't just uh, the silly stuff. So I appreciate that. Gotcha. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you letting um me and anyone who listens to this get to know you, man. And um for your connection, just mm-hmm. fucking know Luke didn't drop your name. Keep hooking him up. Give him a fucking <laughs> discount. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Luke, man, thank, thank you so much for your time, dude. I really appreciate yeah. it. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Right. Bye. Man, what a fucking guy. Like a man's man. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of crushing, but in a totally primitive, masculine, heterosexual way, of course. Um, thanks to Luke for giving his time and coming on the pod. And if you're interested, he does have a survival school. You can go and learn all of this survival shit. Homeboy left naked and afraid with a near perfect solo survival rating score of 9.8. Thanks to Knots for sponsoring the show. Knots are not trying to say they are the best way to secure everything and anything in your house, but Knots are not not saying that they're not. Friend, follow, subscribe, comment, rate. You know how to do this shit. We are wicked close to 100 Facebook and IG friends followers and so close to 1,000 total downloads. Get us to that goal. We appreciate it here at the Getting to Know You Pod. Bye.